it seems like a lot of what's pushing them together is like fee calling him names and by that <laughs> sounds like she's being mean to him hey you idiot <laughs> hey dumbass <laughs> and he's just Loser. like oh my god i'm he's falling like, in love and, with you and this no. is strange <laughs> Welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The Batch. I'm Julia. And I'm Becca. We're best friends and lifelong Star Wars fans, and this is a Star Wars The Bad Batch fan cast. And this time we're doing a, a sweet season two <laughs> recap. Um, yeah, we're going to talk about just the season overall, since we now know what happens in the entirety of said season. Yes, we um, do. What we like, what we didn't like, what we would change. I mean, this is, this is a... a analysis yeah i was gonna say it's a great it's analysis time yeah uh sort of the thing that we love to do besides just goofing around and talking about star wars is doing sort of like critical narrative analysis Mm -hmm. and we really wanted to put that at the beginning of this episode that again it is not this is not a recap of like what we didn't like as fans or did like as fans we're talking about like yeah what is the story what is the goal of that story what fits that goal and what didn't yeah did they tell the story they set out to tell um yeah, we're not here to... This is a passion project, obviously. We don't get any money from this. Uh, Are s- you sure? <laughs> we don't get any yeah, money? Yeah, I'm pretty positive we don't the make Lucasfilm any money to advertise from this podcast. Um, but it is a lot of work. Uh, we like doing it, though. Yeah. Um, it's a labor but of yeah, love. At the, that being said, we're not here to like kiss anyone's ass, but we're also not here to like take a huge dump on this. Yeah. Uh, we love this show. It's not per- like personal. Like We don't want to no. bring like shitting on the writers or anyone specifically it's into critique. this. Because you- it's you critique any yeah. great art you it's know constructive yeah uh which is so we're gonna go through a lot of stuff but you know just a couple of things of like what we liked and what we didn't like tldr a lot of what we perhaps had issue with when it came to the overall story was like the latter half of the season yeah we'll get into that we're gonna talk about themes what we what we want to see what we didn't see what we did see talk yeah. about characters etc we're basically s- squeezing in what we did for the entirety of last season over like 17 episodes into, In, into one, episode. one episode and as i was saying so before, we're gonna try to keep it snappy <laughs> this ep- the, before we started recording is that we need to go through this at the pace of speed racer <laughs> yeah. so we're really gonna try to shoot through this yeah. even though we love to talk about literally everything but the bulk of what we do want to talk about is Again, this is a labor of love. It's a passion project. We're kind of not in the business of just shitting on something to shit no. on something. So why we would have, we do that? <laughs> uh, we have constructive criticism. We yeah. have solutions for how potentially we would have shuffled the pieces around in this season yep. to create a more uh, a stronger to, narrative. Well, to keep it on par with the quality that we saw in season one, I yeah. think is a good way to put it. That being said, let's get into it. Do you want to rate the season? I was actually about to say, should we give this a little rating? <laughs> I think we should. I think giving this. We can give it individual ratings. Yeah, I don't. I think we should. <laughs> no, we need to. Hammer you know how out there's six people specific. here and we can't do individual ratings. There's too yeah. many. Yeah. What are you? What are you thinking? I want to give it like a solid. Like if the first season was like a nine out of ten, a nine point five out of ten, I'm gonna give this one like a seven. I was gonna say the same thing. Or like thing. a six and a half. Not to be. This is a very stupid in joke, but not to be like someone who works at IGN and give something an <laughs> IGN seven, but I am sort of giving this an IGN seven. Well, take this rating loosely because we don't have like a formal rubric for it. So like, no, I know. just think that I agree. I think last season was probably a nine point five out of ten. I think it is incredibly solid. 
I think I had like one gripe in the whole season. Yeah, season. I can't, I'm trying to remember. I remember critiquing something in the last season, but I don't <laughs> even remember what it was, um, which is cool. It means it's really not that integral no. to the story. This one, I think it started off really, really strong. And this we'll get into started it. started off great. Uh, I think by the mid-season and then the episodes in between the mid-season and the finale, we started having a lot of structural issues and a lot of pacing issues. Yeah. Um, and again, it didn't tamper like my enjoyment of it while we were watching it. I think the last week has been, we truly, truly have been the Pablo Escobar meme this entire week. Where oh, it's fully. just us standing in places being like, what is going on? <laughs> and like, we've been, we've been going through the episodes and like writing stuff down and we have an entire outline on our whiteboard. Like, it just has become increasingly more confusing to us, like as we've like gone through the episodes. So it's interesting. I think taking a, a harder look at this whole season has brought out like things that they really did extremely well. Yeah, absolutely. It's like I've doubled down. I've been like, yes, this is done beautifully. We love this, but there are truly some pacing and structural issues with like a lot of the character development slash arcs. Yeah. So that being said, let's jump into it. Like I said, a lot of the, I would say, critique we have is for the latter half of the season. We critiqued the finale last week. I think now that we've had some time to think about it, we have more of like a conversation to have about this. I was a little shell-shocked with the season finale. I, I will say editing that episode was challenging because of how many times we just like... <laughs> we just like lost our train of thought we we're so like not on it i was trying to put the pieces we together and it was really difficult to I do think that because i was expecting so much something that fit all of these things that we had seen together really neatly and, and it, really and, we and, and just that. didn't get that and so i think i was left kind of like wanting more and just so yeah so okay. let's talk about setups and payoffs let's talk about some stuff that happened in the season finale i feel like the elephant in the room is tech obviously yeah I, I mean, we'll get into this a lot later, but like, I just feel like we had such a stellar setups and payoffs. We, we got to see a lot of payoffs in season one. In this season, it felt like it was almost entirely setups for something that we're going to have to wait like a year and a half for for season three. We're like, you need to give us something. Yeah. I'm hoping that tech eating it is a setup for something else again we we, we won't know yeah um but it, be, beyond that uh i don't remember if we talked that much last episode about like like a character death being tragedy versus shock value i think we touched on it vaguely i did we talked after we recorded too a little bit more about it because mm -hmm. i wanted to talk about potentially some examples of a tragedy character death versus a shock value character death. yeah let's zoom out a little bit and just talk about like story in general so like and I believe we touched on this like last season sometime, but like we are not very big fans of like a, a character death as like a shock value yeah. kind of thing. Cause like there are things worse than, worse than death. I don't know that death really serves the narrative other than it being kind of a, a big, like, you know, twist moment for your audience. That's it, it's a little like, Oh, we're just going to give you a little bit of fun fan service. Yeah. It's not really fan service, but like it's akin to that. Where like, I think, it's what people expect. They're expecting the drama and they're trying to manufacture this drama by having a character death that like didn't necessarily yeah. line up with the previous episodes. Like there was kind of no reason story-wise for this to happen. Yeah. So I think, I don't know. I think a lot of, and we definitely talked about this last season because I can vaguely remember. Uh, I think a lot of this like understanding of nowadays in movies and TV, having these sort of like shock value things that happen meaning something that happens really out of the blue. And when you look back at, you know, 
the time before it, it wasn't alluded to in any way. There wasn't any sort of like foreshadowing. It's just mm-hmm. something that happened that was like really unexpected. Right. And I think I, we can honestly like when it comes to new media, trace a lot of that back to blockbuster stuff. I mean, me not loving Marvel is kind of for that reason is because it feels very, we really want to make this like as exciting and flashy mm-hmm. and like a little to know, like, time put into it beforehand not to say that the writers on those movies don't work very hard but like you know it's it's mass market and like it's supposed it, to be fun and exciting and yeah and zazzy you know i think it speaks so much more to like oh we want a lot of views on this because that's like in, in, in today's day and age of like tv that's how people make their money i mean like yeah. it's, if something's not popular they're not going to continue the show right so they want to like hook and bring in more audiences and so like if you have a character die and you have a lot of people watching that and being like oh holy shit like, it definitely becomes you know, like, like a talking point yeah it, it it's something that like everyone's gonna blow up about on twitter you know yeah which is like fine but you can have that and it can also serve the narrative yeah um absolutely and i just don't think that this serves the narrative it was really out of pocket yeah i think we also so talking about shock value now going to the other side where something is really tragic yeah i think we talked about in our season finale episode how that uh, tech's death could have been a lot more tragic and it's interesting maybe to understand why or i guess like theorize why it maybe wasn't that way but also i think that's kind of a shortcoming in in that episode because it doesn't really feel real it just felt like again out of pocket because it doesn't it didn't really feel set up and it also didn't feel very uh like really pulling on those heartstrings right so we talk a lot about red dead 2 Mm -hmm. being kind of the epitome of a a tragic story and if you haven't played that game and you want to play that game tune out now we won't talk about this for very long but like that game ends in it is overall it's a tragedy mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be that way and what kind of makes it an incredible feat of storytelling is that by the time you get to the epitome of this tragedy you realize that it could never have gone any other way this yeah. was so integrated into every single part of the story every single part of this character that by the time you get to the inevitable death uh that kind of is the final nail in the coffin literally it is tragedy because it can never ever be fixed in any other way without irreparably damaging the story that was there yeah i was gonna say um i mean we like to do this where we get our fingers and our little fingers in the pies mm-hmm. of stories and see what we could fix and what we would shift around and stuff to make it better and like we've talked about red dead ad nauseum yeah, just for years of us um for years and we wouldn't change anything about that story yeah. even if you're like oh i want to do like a fix it fic that's fine but yeah. like even if you made the story happy in like spoiler alert arthur dies in the end obviously but like even if you made that where he doesn't die in the end like it, it it's it kind feels, of for naught you it know it feels cheapened it in a way feels cheap because again you are building and building and building to something and again when you go back through that story you're realizing like all of these outside and inside forces that are pushing you towards this one question and this one understanding of like okay can you be a good man if you've done terrible things and do you ever have time to turn it around and in the end it's like sometimes you don't but it doesn't matter because you were a better man in the end like you don't yeah and the whole added like arthur's goodness lives on in john yeah Right, like that's terribly tragic. Like John's not the main um he's not the main character of two. Two, but like they did such a good job setting up like the other tragedy of what happens in Red Dead yeah. the first well the um Red Dead Redemption Redemption one. one, yeah. But yeah, I mean like 
everything that lined up it, it truly everything was necessary you wouldn't if you had changed anything it would be a very unsatisfying story yeah. because lessons are learned and like you feel this loss um yeah. and i'm not saying that like the season two of bad batch needs to be have such a heavy lesson level yeah yeah have that level of like uh you know moral in in it than yeah that red dead does but like but I guess all that to say an integral part of what makes the story of Red Dead 2 really successful is that there's a lot of like really specific setup that happens. Yes. And going back to Bad Batch, Tech Dying does not really have any setup. It almost is like looking back at it, we have a lot of setup of like, oh, I see where you were kind of pulling these strings to make Tech a little more memorable. Not that he was not memorable, but like a little more in the foreground. Foreground, yeah. Um, One of them being setting up him and fee together in like a romantic relationship which like again we've gone through we'll talk about this later but like we've gone through this season and looked there and looked at their interactions and like they just i'm sorry they don't have any chemistry like private investigators we have gone through this story and this is not a matter of like personal opinion like i really do like fee's character i don't mind if you want to set one of the batch up with her again we'll talk about this later but you need to set it up you they need to have chemistry and like i mean one of the greatest things about a lot of Star Wars romances is that you get this like fun banter. Like they're very, yes. they're often very like, it's not enemies to lovers, but like they often start out being kind of at odds or being like, you're annoying and like, and then fall in yeah. love eventually. And that's a lot of fun. And we like that. Um, and and like, they just don't have that here. So it just, it did feel really forced. And I think when some things feel forced like that, it feels really cheap. And then it's like, you're, it just feels like you're doing such a disservice to his character in like setting up these things that really only pay off because you wanted the emotionality of him dying. Yeah, I think, and we touched on this in our last episode, but it, it is challenging. And I think when we get to it, we'll talk about it. But one of the things that I have a lot of issue with in Tech Dying is not that he dies. It's that it wasn't, it feels like they put him in situations in previous episodes that he maybe wouldn't have been in previously like it seems kind of certain lines that he just says Uh, apropos and not and not in a character development way because his development also isn't there and again we're going to talk about characters so we'll get to that but like it just feels like they wanted to make people feel i guess quote sadder by yeah by making making him more memorable is a really good way to do that and again like i like tech as a character i'm glad that he got more time in the foreground but like i feel like we should have maybe gone about this a different way but it shouldn't have been done because of the end game of like oh we yeah, wanted absolutely. to be sadder when he falls to his death <laughs> like yeah yeah um anyway so that is kind of like i i think a lot of like what's what we want to work towards when it comes to critiquing and and pushing some pieces around is like yeah. how do we make this click really well um i also wanted to bring up the note that you wanted to talk about which is we we touched on vaguely last episode but uh of tech being autistic or adhd coded yeah he's very neurodivergent coded um and i really like that he's one of my favorite characters i i don't like that the one neurodivergent maybe not the one but like the the most the most neurodivergent coded character is the one that eats it in the end and like again it would have been a non-issue if there had been a lot of extensive setup that, you know, his death kind of would be the payoff for. Um, but there just wasn't. So it feels kind of cheap. And then it's like added to that. It's like, 
he was also neurodivergent kind of yeah. coded. Yeah. And, and that doesn't feel cool to me. No. And again, <laughs> as as two neurodivergent individuals, as uh, as women, as whatever, like it feels shitty to have yeah. a character in a in a show where you're like, oh, I do that. Right. And then inevitably, because they're not the main character, because they're the weird one, they get killed off. And like, that's never OK. Like. I don't... I'm going to bring up Mass Effect now. Okay. <laughs> Just, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure someone who in our podcasting community also no, likes... No one no likes one. It's no. just It's just us. Well, it just... It occurred to me that, like, yeah. um, Morden... And so in Mass Effect 2, Morden, oh, yeah. the scientist... Like, I don't know that I would call him neurodivergent coded, but, like... He, yeah, I see what He's a little more that. of that kind of personality, I suppose. Um, but, like, his death is really tragic in 3... But I loved the, like, it had to be me to do this because no one else could. Like, you have that tragedy in there, like, truly, yeah. like, no one else could have done this. And that's the reason, like, he had to stay behind and die uh, because otherwise they wouldn't have got to their goal. And he recognizes that. Like, there's no kind of feeling like that with tech. Yeah. And I think that's what I, what so much of our crit- critical analysis of the second half of the season kind of boiled down to is that... We have, we counted six episodes in between the midseason and the finale. In those six episodes, it feels like almost nothing is set up for that. And also when it comes to other parts of the plot, right? And then it feels like it's so smushed in there at the end. And it doesn't feel like it was even really necessary. Because even, even in the last episode of the season, when Hunter is talking to Omega and mm-hmm. he's like, hey... But we're not going to let his sacrifice be in vain. Both of us, I think, or at least I'll speak for myself, will just was just like, what are you kind of talking about? Because his death didn't push us towards the goal in any specific way. We never had a conversation about, you know, Tech really wants to stay on Pabu. And like, oh, now that he's dead, we're not going to let his sacrifice be in vain. Let's yeah. stay on Pabu. You know, it wasn't specific enough and it wasn't set up in enough They didn't way. have enough internal conflict conversations about like, hey, I think we should stay here or like, you know... It, it was it just felt kind of rushed yeah for sure okay do we want to touch anything more in that or shall we jump on to the next one yeah i mean I feel again like we've talked about this so much i'm like i, I don't, don't know. even know yeah I think, um, I think we hit everything to be fair we will again we're gonna the one of the last things that we're gonna talk about is again us shuffling around the pieces our fingers in this little pie of a story what would we change mm-hmm. so we can talk about that more let's talk about some things that we liked um one of the things that i really enjoyed about this season uh is they did kind of keep these like themes that we talked about last season, especially like the theme of choice. That's a very like integral theme, I think, to this entire show. Yeah, going pretty well. There were times in the latter half of the season uh, that it could have been a little punchier. For uh, sure, but I think they did a pretty good job of that. There's some be this show is beautiful. It is. I I um, will say gorgeous. One of the things that I really love and really appreciate, and this is for for the most part. I mean, it's connected to the story, but it's not having to do with the writers. But the visual like the visuals of this show mm-hmm. have never dipped in quality ever not no. once every single episode to the point where i don't even feel like i need to talk about it anymore <laughs> like last season i would always be like i loved this shot and like at this pe- point just know that every single goddamn shot of this show i am in love with yeah like it's never dipped in quality every single part of the visuals of this show support the characters that we want to see support a, a growing type of animation that I, I love to see every time we watch this show. It's really great. I'm never dissatisfied with that. That's something I love. Yeah. 
this show was like a really fun ride um or the season was i mean the show was as well but there are some really solid solid episodes yeah um i mean we just rewatched it yesterday but faster i think is my favorite episode of this season it's, and it's like a bottle episode yeah <laughs> but kind but that's, of that's the thing too and i love this conversation specifically about this show and we talked about in our last season a lot is that they really can ha- they do have the ability to make bottle episodes count for a lot yeah and i loved that faster was the episode where we got a bunch of like breadcrumbs of like Sid being you know sketchy yeah. mm-hmm. like I think it was a good reminder because especially after last season we kind of left off with Sid on like a, a good happy times right yeah so it was nice and Faster has such a humor to it that is it so is funny exquisite like Ben Schwartz does an incredible job the animation in that episode is really really great the soundtrack is incredible which by the way the first half of the soundtrack for this season is on Spotify now and we were listening to it last it's night so good and there's a there's a racing mix at the yes. very end of that album and it is fucking lit it's, it's great it's a banger that episode is great i mean like the even the like they're just the the, the first two first episodes. two episodes are really good yeah and i'm um i just like the first three uh spoiled war runes of war solitary clone is a solid episode yeah. too and faster are all like really really an, strong. an amazingly strong start to this yeah. season um we've talked about outpost like when we that's did a that. great episode that, too that's still that episode really sticks with me i think it is probably one of my favorite bad batch episodes it's incredibly it feels like a short film it does it's like, beautiful it's gorgeous um but anyway i just wanted to talk about things that we like and yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. No, it's segue good, that good into to, themes yeah yeah which is what uh, we're gonna get to talk about what was i gonna say i feel like i had another thing that was like i like this and now i i do not remember oh i really liked that i mean and we'll get to this when we talk about stuff that we would maybe add um, I really liked that we did at least bring up the conversation of like colonialism and, yeah. and culture and reclaiming one's culture. Like we talked about those in it's spoils of war, war, ruins of war. And then also it comes up in tribe. Right. Mm-hmm. But I really liked that. I think that was a really, really sweet sentiment. I think that's a really great way to s- introduce slightly mentioned in Pabu. But. It is slightly mentioned in Pabu. I, I I love that. I think that's a conversation that we should be having more. And I love that there is we, the show is forever proving that you can put literally anything in Star Wars. We can and segue like, that into into themes. themes. Oh yeah, hey, you, there we go. Anyway, now <laughs> let's talk about themes because um, I mean, so well in the first season, our the Empire was kind of like you know strengthening their grip, kind of getting a feel for like how they're going to control yeah, they the were like entire a, the galaxy. Fledgling Empire. Um, yeah, this one is like a lot about like uniformity and like even like the s- second episode uh solitary clone or the third episode that we get we see a lot of contrast between like the batch and like what the empire is like like all of the clones are literally the same they don't have any fun markings they don't have anything and like crosshair now is kind of the one that stands out but like um i love this concept of like talking about colonialism and like native cultures and things and retaining that and restoring that as an enemy to this like homogeneity of colonialism uh and that was kind of like a mini theme that i think we had yeah. through the season yeah. which which was more of like i don't know it more related to like how we fight this our antagonist of the empire yeah in this i think we could have uh uh, boosted this theme a little bit more right yes because uh i do think it's a really interesting concept to be like hey like you know as you said in the in the previous season it was the empire getting a grip on things okay this season is now the empire with a grip on things how are they going to expand their power how are they controlling the masses here and so and it's such an interesting conversation of like okay well we control people through taking away their identity by you know controlling means the means of production and like all of these things like you know if we strip them of the people that they are then they only ever will have the empire right and like yeah it could could have been really cool basically like if we 
take away their ability to remember who they were yeah. and we tell them who they are they're you, you have know, like we can tell them any control yeah. right um and i think this kind of like motorcycle sidecars onto our theme of family that we talked yeah. about a lot last season Com- community like, the family that was a last season of like we're, we were we're kind of finding our family we're finding our footing as like a family it's very us. Are you it gonna, was us against the world. Yeah, basically, this kind of translates it into like the concept of community, which community and diversity obviously stand in direct like um, opposition to the concepts that the empire holds, colonialism and like homogeneity and all this stuff. Like sameness, sameness. No one's unique. There aren't different things. We're all the same. We, we tell you how to dress, how to act, what you can do. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas like community and diversity are kind of. I don't know the fa- the family theme morphs into that like yeah. we see a lot more themes around that especially like I really do like the introduction of Pabu I have problems with like when it comes in because yeah. I think it comes in way too late um like we don't get enough time to really like like feel at home there vibe with the community there yeah <laughs> uh that being said okay so I think overall the themes in this season were like a little bit looser than last season I think they boil down a lot to like, I mean, we, as you said, we talked a lot about purpose last season. Yeah. And I think, or more like, we still talk about that, but I think we talk about much more in the uh, frame of like choice. Yeah. Here. I will say, so this sort of, I mean, we already kind of talked about this, but like choice being kind of like a huge overarching theme for this entire show, I'm assuming. Uh, I like that last season we, we talked about the power of choice and a lot of that had to tie in with like the inhibitor chips and like, you know, what the batch is doing versus what the, what crosshair is doing versus, you know, people we see like Hauser, right? Where the thing that we were kind of talking about was like, do we even have the power of choice? Mm -hmm. Is that something, do we have autonomy? And I like that we kind of very much answered that question, right? Where it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you have an inhibitor chip or not, you have the choice to to choose what type of person you're going to be. And I like that in this season, we kind of like took that and compounded on it where it's like, okay, now that you have the choice, what are you going to do with it? What choice are you going to make? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, do you have the ability to choose? Yeah. Uh, I like, what are your choices? That, (laughs) (laughs) no, I appreciate it. I like that. Um, we did have this, I think more in the first half of the season than the second half of the season. I wish it was in here more, but I do really like when it comes to, Oh, seeing like what Echo does with his power yes. of choice, right? And then seeing kind of like what Hunter-ish and the Batch-ish decide, you know, with their power of choice. And for Echo, it becomes apparent that he is, uh, you know, he he wants to do more. He, he is a born and bred soldier. He has different memories of that right than the rest of the batch and that is something that he has like a big conviction Mm -hmm. you know towards and so he you know chooses you know who he is and what he wants to do his purpose his identity right and i love i thought you were raising your hand (laughs) for a second i'm like we are (laughs) there's two of us in the room teacher (laughs) but yeah so i like that we saw that i wish we could have like amped it up a little bit more because i'm like really into the like yeah like super supportive storytelling <laughs> i but again i think they could have um like cinched it in in, yeah. in the later in the 11th hour and they, and they just like didn't really but i want to talk about while well, we're on the theme of choice i like to the split of like what choice means to the batch and what choice means to crosshair where he's yeah. at because like it's kind of two different things where like the batch immediately off off the top of this season is like kind of presented with a choice of like do we protect ourselves do we care for our own or do we do something altruistic for the rest of the galaxy and like that does manifest itself in echo leaving um and kind of like the decision they do or don't make when they're on pabu 
but like i like how crosshair is basically like he made a choice last season and therefore is kind of not presented with another choice he's presented with like did i make the right he kind choice of is, has made has consequences yeah, I mean, yeah it's so well summed up in <laughs> cody's line in this solitary clone of like we, we we make our own choices we're not like joys we make our own choices we have to live with them too yeah um that's just so good yeah that was that was really incredible again that episode was so good but like yeah it is and it's nice to see honestly like (laughs) crosshair sans the batch like we've talked about previously how like in the first season he very much like was foiled with hunter and kind of like the batch at large because he was making different choices and we kind of like got to see each other their characters from like converse conversely i guess mirrored against each other right uh, to accentuate the differences. Mm-hmm. But I like that in this season, because he's not really contrasted with the batch very directly, if at all, we yeah. kind of get to see him where he's at. And I think that's just like such an interesting way to, again, like reveal your choices. And like, for him, it's the consequences of his inaction. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it is just kind of, yeah, it's interesting to see this is another facet of like, having choice is like, living with the error of your ways essentially it's living with the the consequences of the decision that you yeah. made yeah and i think that's like what made those few crosshair episodes we had really powerful mm-hmm. because like we really got to see the humanity in him yeah we see him reckoning with like these things and kind of coming up um about with what he previously thought i mean i i love a I love a character moment of just like, oh shit, I, I was wrong. I made the wrong choice. Yeah, it's like, the, it's the it's best. really satisfying to see that um, arc in a character. I think this theme of choice really does uh, bleed well into like identity and purpose, which we did talk about a lot last season. Um, more so like, is the batch, are they mercenaries? Are they soldiers still? Are they just people? Like, I think this changes a little bit in like, we are, we are a family what does that mean now? Yeah. Like they spent their lives as soldiers. They decided they're not really soldiers anymore. Um, or at least they're not part of someone else's army anymore, you know, but now they're just, now they're trying to figure out what, what does that mean? Does being a family supersede doing the right thing for the rest of the universe? Does it mean taking care of your own people? What does that look like? Which like, okay. So this theme of family we see, uh, in this season, a fun thing about themes. (laughs) is that they can be flipped um oh yeah for good fun story content hell yeah um and i i do i think they were like trying for this i don't again the execution is so so is so so i don't know that it accomplishes everything that could have but we do kind of see them broken and you know shattered a little bit by the end which like we we do like up until from the beginning of this episode up until the season up until the mid-season we see the theme of like family we are family we do yeah. things together loyalty all we, that we stuff. work super well together yeah. everything's everything's coming up batch really <laughs> emphasized yeah. um which it's so satisfying to see them kind of like scattered by the end yeah yeah um i i will say that is a good flip yeah i was gonna say so it's we talked about uh the last couple of our episodes right this concept that uh, sometimes the second the second thing of a of a you know a trilogy let's say a lot of star wars trilogies the second part of it is always pretty it's always like oh we're losing hope it's kind of tragic yeah and i we described it as like a thoroughfare of ideas this season right because we're getting a lot of information that isn't getting paid off i will say i think the second thing you know in a trilogy let's say is is supposed to communicate a lot of information i think we could have again we could have cinched it in the 11th hour a little bit better because i think as you're saying to your point flipping the family theme we really needed to end on like a 
big tragedy, which yeah. like, I know you're probably like, tech died. Omega is gone. Crosshair is still in the clutches of the Empire. How much bigger can it get? It can get worse, right? Because there's a fate worse than death. Yeah. But also kind of like the second part of a trilogy being like the act two. And like in a in a three act structure, the act two is usually when the like crazy shit happens, mm-hmm. I would say. I can see you looking at our three-act structure printout <laughs> above our whiteboard. We here uh, in this household love the three-act structure. But I feel like, right, the three-act the three act structure, the second act is always like, holy shit, craziest yeah. of crazies happened. How are we going to get a victory out of this, yeah. right? It, it's when it like really becomes dire. Because it's it's really entertaining and dramatic for to see your heroes. Suffer, who you want to loss. be heroes and you want to be good struggle and suffer yeah because it's always really satisfying to see that to be fair like heroism isn't born out of like accomplishing something easy yeah right it's about overcoming obstacles and obviously star wars is literally like the hero's journey in every iteration we are uh you know seeing people get put through a a crucible a gauntlet to become something better and usually you know it's help a lot of people right Mm -hmm. so like i really yeah i really wanted this season as a whole to be like you know a, a real tragedy by the end pulled off in a different way than what we are seeing I think that may have been like the idea, but I'm wanting it to be like super punchy, super hard hitting, like stab stab me in the heart, you know? Yeah. Which like to be, to be fair, we do see them quite broken and all of that. Yeah. But we'll talk about how it could have been a little punchier. Our our lovely ideas. Okay. <laughs> um. Do that being said, talk about some characters. Yeah. Why don't we talk about some characters? So a lot of let's well, get into the individual characters here. A lot of what we talked about the last season had a lot to do with like character arcs. So we wanted to talk about. What we do see, what we don't see. Do you have a character that you want to start with? I mean, let's talk about Omega because... As our sort of proxy. Yeah, she's sort of our proxy. We love her. She's a very good character. We saw a lot of growth from her in the last season. Um, Pulled off really well. I can point to specific episodes and be like, this is where she learned this, she learned that. We see her like, you know, kind of growing up in the mid-season of last season, yeah. This season, I think, I I like the shift that we have almost from the start of like her kind of in her teenage phase. I mean, to be fair, it hasn't been that long, but like she's got kind of a different attitude. I like seeing the payoff of her kind of, it's less of like a, you need to stay on the ship. Like we don't see that at all in this no. See, they're not they're not precious about her. They're like, you're part of the team. You're going to, yeah. you know, do your job. Sure. And she wants to do that. Yeah. Um, and I love like, seeing that. Yeah. I like that we're also seeing her dedicated to studies. And like, again, they're trusting her with more. And like, I think, I don't remember at what point we see her say this, but she talks about how like tech won't let her fly until she like knows every part of the ship. I think we see that last season with Hera. I think so. But I love that like we're seeing the first episode of the season. She's like learning every Imperial ship that there is. And she's yeah. like learning... Like, I like that she's really dedicated to that. And again, she is like, I see this as a value. I want to be able to help. And like, this is how I do that, right? Like, she's very, she has, yeah, more of an autonomy. She wants to accomplish things. She's being treated like, a lot more like a member of the of the, the crew. crew too. I mean, like we even see Tech being like, "This is an unsanctioned break from your studies in the first episode." Like, uh, you know, you you need to memorize all of this stuff, and like he's taking his role as of like what he can teach her seriously as well. It's not just like I don't know, you're just a child in yeah. He- it's here. We're um, not having those episodes that we talked about a lot last season, where it's like, oh no, like our little baby girl, and like which 
we rightly so had last season for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. Because she was like it very much so a younger child. She didn't have any experience, but like we're we've kind of eclipsed that now with like I, again she seems older it's not been that long but she she acts older we're and she's more seeing, capable we're seeing the payoff of like them being like yes we are a family in the last season like we've yeah. established that yeah. we've chosen our identity here how do you think that, that uh, unfolds throughout this season i think it peters in my opinion i think a lot of our character development it, peters off i think it peters a little bit and i also think that like we introduce some interesting concepts of like especially with fee where at some point fee is just like hey she should like you know learn how to do some other things and like be with people who aren't her family and like hang out with friends that she has that are her age and stuff like we do see that and we do have a conversation with uh liana 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 um on pabu where she's like oh your life sounds really it sounds really lonely and you know omega's been like i i never really thought about it like that yeah which i don't know I, I don't really think that has a payoff. It's just sort of like a concept that they brought up, which like these are really interesting concepts. Yeah. Because um, uh, we kind of shift from instead of being like, do I have a family to like, you know, what do I want to do? And what, yeah. what makes me happy? And, and, you know. I think that's another reason why I wanted that Pabu stuff to hit earlier. Yeah. Because I think, again, I think in my opinion, as, as it stands, a lot of the character development like kind of uh, dims down by the end of it. And it feels like we kind of lose a little bit of our trajectory. But... Yeah. With that, I almost wish that Omega would have realized that about herself, where she she wants more and she asks for more. Yeah. Potentially prompted by a conversation with Liana or someone like Liana, right? I like that it's someone her own age, mm -hmm. right? Where, you know, sometimes you just need a peer to talk about things with. Yeah. But it, it would have been interesting, and we'll get to this when we get to it, but uh, some added internal conflict between members could have been Omega... Uh, you know, getting the courage and asking, hey, I think I want people my own age. You know, I think I want to try new things outside of just, you know, what you guys have to have to teach me. You know, yeah. it could have been let's OK, like let's push this autonomy even further. Yeah, that's why I say the concept of her of her being hanging out with it, like getting other experiences and stuff is kind of brought up externally. Um, like, yeah, she really doesn't have a conversation to be yeah. like, hey, Maybe we can do this or like, wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. Or like, I don't know. I mean, except for, I will say, I think the one exception to that is like the treasure hunting stuff with Fee, yeah. which like could have been, I, I wish maybe slightly more plot related in some places, but like, I do really like that Omega is really excited about that and she's the one who's pushing for that. But I yeah. think it could have been cool to see that as like a first step in like, I'm going to start asking for things that I want. And then also mm -hmm. internally being able to realize it's not just like activities. It's also like, I want friends and yeah. like, you know, I want a different life than what we have. Like that yeah. could have added to the conversation of like, what are we going to do with the choice that we now have? Yeah. Um, I wish she would have gotten roped in on the whole, like a little more like, do cause yeah. I think it's mostly like a Hunter and Echo thing until he leaves. Yeah. And then it's just Hunter and nobody well, else. Yeah. But I mean, like I wish that Omega would have been more a part of that conversation with, because me. I think we have like one bit in the beginning where like, echo and hunter are talking and echo's like we're we're in this situation because of omega we need to like oh we yeah. need to help people right omega's hears that conversation but she doesn't really stick on like the point of like hey we need to help people which like i mean she she is a altruistic person but like i wish you maybe would have gotten more in the middle of like hunter and echo and maybe it would have been nice to see her kind of struggle with that because yeah. I do like the idea of her being like, well, you know, but I want to enjoy my life, but yeah. also I do want to help people. Yeah. I was thinking about this earlier too, because like 
I guess, uh, like to your point, right, we want more internal conflict when it comes to the decision at the end of like, are we staying on Pabu? Are we leaving? Mm -hmm. Are we doing Echo's thing? Right. Uh, I was thinking about that the other day, too. Right. Because it's it's in the first two episodes that, yeah, Omega overhears that conversation where Echo's like, we're in we're in this life because of Omega. And that's not a a bad thing. Yeah, He wasn't saying that. I wouldn't change it. It's just like we have to understand that, like you know, we have some choices here and I think that our resources should be going to something altruistic. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of surprised that that didn't come back up. And again, that sort of like overheard conversation thing, it does come back around at the end of those two episodes and it gets resolved yeah. obviously because mm-hmm. Omega's like upset because she doesn't understand and Omega and Echo is like, Hey, that's not what I meant. This is what I meant. Yeah. I would never change anything. Right. Yeah. I'm interested that, yeah, she doesn't hang on to that. Right. She doesn't use that to like think about more that decision. She just kind of is like, okay with, the conversation she has with echo and they move on i think even when like hunter is like hey later in the season like would you want to stay on pabu like she doesn't seem to have she doesn't question it she's like kind of on board but she's not like i mean i do but like you know don't you think that we need to be yeah there's not a conflict helping people like we have ability to do that more so than just like your average person yeah um there's not really a lot of conflict there so that would have been nice to see with her yeah otherwise i mean i I like her character a lot (sighs) she's very darling um, I do like her and Fee a lot. They're very cute. Yeah, I think they're a cute um, little pair. Yeah. Uh, that being said, okay, can we move on to Hunter, <laughs> which now that we just talked about it, I think I have a lot of this. I think most of my, like, I think character development petered off in this season is, it has a lot to do with Hunter, I think, just because he... Hunter has become a leaf in the wind. Yeah, and I, I know we mentioned that last episode, and I'd love to get into that conversation because <laughs> I think the last season, because he was foiled so much with, like, Omega and Crosshair yeah. and, you know, it's just weird to see him be like really secondary and not necessarily in screen time Mm -mm. because he still probably is our most talkative member but like it's just that he doesn't have the same almost like leadership that he had in the like he's still taking point when they do missions and things but like by and large a lot of the other characters including omega are making decisions echo makes decisions like later in the season it's it's tech you know it's weird too because in the first two episodes right is that whole exchange that i think i i really like and i think played off really well because i think it was a really good way to like shoehorn in like oh we're gonna focus more on different characters this season Mm -hmm. where fee or sid or whomever is like we got to go after this like dooku war chest and hunter overhears and he's like what's going on here and they're like oh we all have essentially voted against you (laughs) yeah Um, which i think that's really good and really funny because i think that is showing like initiative on the characters that we kind of took a backseat in the previous season which i think is absolutely fine Mm -hmm. and i think those two episodes played off really well because they showed a lot of those characters it's more i think when we're talking about hunter being a leaf in the wind it's more like when it comes to these bigger things that happen he is like way less opinionated than he was previously. Like mostly even, with this Pabu stuff. It's yeah. mostly Pabu stuff. <laughs> mostly, Most of mostly our issues Pabu. are Pabu. <laughs> Which I think is so funny that the whole time we're like, what's Pabu? What's Pabu? I'm so excited to get to Pabu. And then we're like, oh my God, uh, Pabu. Now, like, I love the concept that Pabu represents of like a good life, an enjoyable life, something like a secret away from the empire. We yeah. don't have to deal with it. Um, it's like literally an idyllic paradise yeah no i love that so much it's a really really good concept to introduce in this like season where the empire is like 
becoming concerning escalating yeah yeah um he seems very pushed into things it's like fee mentions to him once that like hey this is a good place to raise a kid or whatever and he's just like yeah let's do that like i he kind of gets like every episode we see of pabu which is like actually quite a few episodes but in very weird he kind of gets like pushed by these different things i mean it's two episodes but yeah do we see it we see it (laughs) in pabu and then in tipping point why does it feel so much longer than that um is it because Pabu the episode because feels of pacing a million years? Yeah, because Pabu feels like it's a million years long. I just yeah. it feels like yeah, a fee is like oh it's a nice you know it's a nice place outside the empire and he's like oh okay and then like things happen he's like I don't know and then like a different thing happens and he's like yeah maybe and then Echo comes back and they have a conversation he's like yeah actually I think we will and then they can't like it's just like a really it feels like a unnecessary back and forth of like he can't make a decision. And because there isn't any other, like, external, I don't know. Like, he doesn't come into any conflict with any other Batch members. No. In that. So I think, like, for the most part, like, it it just feels like he's, like, flip-flopping on stuff. Yeah. And it's just kind of, like, going with whatever is happening at the moment. Even in, I think it's the summit, um, when Tech is like, we need to go get Crosshair. It's, It's Tech who's like, we need to do this. And then later, Hunter's like, we're not going to let Tech sacrifice be in vain. It's like, so then go get Crosshair. But, like, you don't say that. You're like, we can't let his sacrifice be in vain. We have to go back to Pablo. Yeah, I think, like, when that information comes up at the end of Tipping Point, right? Like, all the Crosshair stuff. He's like, do we really think that Crosshair flipped? And then Tech is like, yeah, I think so. And he's like, (laughs) okay. Okay. Yeah. No, like, he literally... Puts up no fight for things. And I'm not saying that he has to be, like, needlessly, like, confrontational or needlessly, like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to veto that. Like, he's not a dictator. Like, they're a family. It's not like he's the monarch but of I, this. But, but I will say, he is, he was made, created, born to be their leader, right? Yeah, so, like, he and, and he shows a level of integrity that, like, up until this season he's kind of the only one that like again we see like wrecker and tech kind of being like you know whatever like i mean tech is really uh, practical and stuff and wrecker's just like kind of good to go along with whatever anyone says because that's not his job is to not be um he's not he's supposed to be strong and uh you know tough yeah he's not supposed to be like a leader yeah um but yeah it's it's not overwhelmingly negative but it's just kind of like a weird development in his yeah And not to the point where, like, if you made him kind of go through this existential crisis, it would have been more interesting where he's just like, I don't know what to do. Like, you never have that moment where it comes home to, like, he's become a leaf in the wind for a reason. Yeah. Uh, He just sort of is becoming yeah that. it's not like he becomes he becomes listless and then like he is or like, he admits oh my to any, god or he missed anyone just like I, I don't know what to do like i'm very yeah. torn between yeah. these two things and like he he never has a heart to heart with someone who's no. like i'm not i'm not prepared for this and i feel weird trying to lead people like i don't want to lead people into something that's wrong like he doesn't have yeah like a, a crisis of faith i guess in himself an existential crisis yeah Yeah. he just doesn't have that yeah um and again it's not that it's wholesale bad i think his character is like fine it just isn't stellar they just didn't do enough with that they didn't push him far enough yeah um Um, and again i think not that i i enjoy every one of these episodes for the most part mm -hmm. like there's some i would watch more than others but i think um when it comes to us critiquing the latter half of the season it's a lot of those like little points in certain categories that i think very small pieces things not exactly clicking into place yes um and i think hunter and some of the overall kind of like character development that isn't as punchy is what is contributing contributing to that i don't know why i put an extra r in there do we want to move on to crosshair i 
which we <sighs> honestly see very little of. We don't see a lot of crosshair. I think the development he has is fine that we see. Obviously, I think even last season, we're like, at some point, he's going to flip. Yeah, of course. I mean, we knew that was happening. I, I enjoyed the episodes that he's in. I think my biggest critique with his character is that he needs to be in more spots in this season. I think that it is doable that he was just in Solitary Clone and the Outpost for the most part having his character arc happen between those two episodes. I would have loved to see him in the mid-season just I, to give his his what happens to him in the Outpost and we have a little a, more of an... We oof. have a solid idea for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will say, I mean, it's this is an expected character arc. Uh, it was really satisfying seeing it happen in the outpost. Again, we talked about this in our episode about that one. If you if you really want to get into it with us, you can <laughs> you can listen to that episode. But like, it was really he's become a lot more endeared to us now. Yeah. Like previously, it was like surprisingly, where are you at? Like we like he's a character, but like give us more. Yeah. Um, I need something to that. hang on to. He yeah. did do that, and I like the writing in those two episodes alone. Fantastic. Is Beautiful. fucking stellar. The, Incredible. The, the stories that they pulled off in those are just really really like solidly told yeah it, and and it's crazy because it's like max 27 minutes eloquent very liquid it is like, it, it flows. is it is pithy it is solid yeah. it is you know it is doing absolutely exactly what we need with almost no flab which is yeah. incredible and that is kind of the storytelling that we loved from the last season so yeah it was, it was heartening to see that in this season yeah i not, not too much to say about crosshair I guess. yeah again because <laughs> they did a good really good job yeah. like i wouldn't change also, very much and again it's not like he's like foiled against really anyone specifically because he doesn't need to be he's like foiled against his previous self but like that's just called character he development. has <laughs> two individual foils in both solitary clone and the outpost that serve really good purposes yeah um yeah. He took a backseat and that's fine. Um, he took a backseat a little bit in this season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. We record didn't really change that much. He's mostly the same. I think that's fine. Yeah. I would love more time with him. Maybe co- complexify his character yeah. at some point. But for the most part. Wrecker is Wrecker. We know him. We love him. Yeah. Tech. <laughs> the character development with Tech is, as we stated earlier, probably the one I have the most issue with because it isn't really development it's not really development because it feels forced because it's basically a means to an end about his death yeah i think again that's <laughs> which the, we've said before that's the the conclusion i came to watching that episode the season finale and when he dies i just kind of had like uh like my life flashing before my eyes but it was like all the parts with tech flashing before my eyes and i was just like Does this makes sense yeah i was like oh i <laughs> i was like oh so like you only did this because you wanted us to feel sadder about his death. Yeah. And again, in the latter half of the season, it feels a little forced. And we can talk about Fee and stuff. I think it's maybe better suited for. <laughs> I don't even want to call that development. It's really not. Again, we watch through these episodes. We The amount of time that Fee and Tech spend together is really not anything, especially in the first half of the season. Like the, There's the bits n- that we get, are uh, they're not... There's no chemistry there. and There's like, no chemistry. And that's not like either character's fault. No. How dare they Because I chemistry. like these character yeah. a lot. I love Tech's character a lot. They just don't vibe together. No. And, I, and it does. I think that's why it feels forced is because like it didn't really. Going back through the episodes with a fine tooth comb. It didn't really feel like their relationship was set up. She calls him nicknames, but so does Sid. And it never feels like when she does that, it's anything more than like kind of what Sid does, which is being a little like, yeah, just from a little more familiar. Yeah. Yeah. 
But yeah, what we see in the latter half of the season where it's just a lot of like, it, it seems like Fee kind of like buttering up to him and him just kind of like being tech and not responding. To be honest, he doesn't seem that into it. And I know that we <laughs> obviously like can't 100% know what's going on in his head because he obviously didn't say anything, but it almost feels like if it was important, he would have said something about it. Yeah, or at least like the moment... So, in Entombed, they do not, they say literally f- max four things to one another. And half of those things are just sort of a comment that the other one does not respond to. And then the next time we see Fee, which is in Pabu, like it seems like a lot of what's pushing them together is like Fee calling him names. And by that, <laughs> it sounds like she's being mean to him. <laughs> hey, you idiot. <laughs> hey, dumbass. <laughs> And he's just Loser. like, oh my god, I'm he's falling like, in love and, with you. And this no. is strange. <laughs> That's it's Fee calling him nicknames. Um, and then like other batch members are like most I guess record like making comments where like when they meet uh Shep um and Fee hugs him. I don't Wrecker's know like, why watch he... out, you have some competition, and Tex says nothing. He's yeah, just he just like... looks a little confused. He doesn't even like look annoyed or blush or anything like that. When you said Shep, I thought you were talking about Mass Effect for <laughs> no, a second. I was no. so confused. His I've name is closed... Shep Hazard. Hazard, yeah, no, I've closed the bit where I'm talking about Mass Effect. Yeah, no you're more. like, it was like 20 minutes. Um <laughs> Yeah, I just I, it doesn't I mean, we don't really have to like continue to go into this because I feel like most of the sentiment is like it doesn't really feel set up even in the places that we see it. And there's not a lot of places. A lot of it is external. They do not have chemistry. We'll talk about how we would have changed that later. Uh, Okay. Rampart. I, I think most of the char- he doesn't really develop any character. He mostly he's just my little meow meow. I think he's my little meow meow now your too. First little meow meow. I don't really like the evil ones usually because they kind of just they just annoy me. Yeah, I I'm like just like them. get out of my presence. But now I think in the face of sorry <laughs> hemlock, I like you know it's one listen of those he things- has potential but like we know <laughs> Rampart okay. It's one of those things where like you don't know how good you had it until something worse comes along and I mean that in the most loving way possible but I didn't know how great beautiful um, amazing Admiral Charlie, Charlie Rampart. Rampart was until Hemlock was our only villain and that is not a judgment call I mean no. it, on- Hemlock has his purpose yeah but it's just I and again we can get into it about how we would have appeased the situation <laughs> But I, character development-wise, Rampart doesn't really develop anymore. He's the same. And again, we did need something to jazz it up in this season because as we were mm-hmm. like plotting this all out on our whiteboard, you did bring up a great point of like it couldn't have just been Rampart the entire season because then it would have just kind of been the same as last season. This and, is, we, and we want to escalate. Yeah, things. this is the season of the Empire escalating. And like, I love the sticky situation that Charlie Rampart gets himself into. Oh, it's great. Where it's like, oh, shit, the batch isn't dead. I told everyone they're dead. And then also, like, I need to pass this bill and I can't get it passed. Like, I love the ramping up for him, too. And, like, again. It is a fucking character goldmine what they set up this season with. With those two facts alone of, like, one... Charlie has painted himself into a corner because he has told everyone, including his bosses, that he killed the batch when he didn't, and they're yeah. still alive. And they're causing problems and for they're, him. And they're around. Yeah. And then, two, that he has this, like, business-forward, Senate-forward thing that he has to do because... And, and like, presumably, Tarkin or whomever is like, you need to do this. Yeah. And he has no other option. So yeah. he's like fully painted into a corner. No, it's like, really good. Like, and that's conflict. And yeah. that's conflict is story. And baby, that's conflict. 
No, and I really love him actually. And we get to see a different side of him in um, the mid season because we get to see not so much the rampart that's um, like leading the army or like at least adminning the army. And we get to see the one who's like his public persona yeah. a little bit. I think we talked about that in the mid season, but I, I love it. Well, we just like, I love this conversation too that he has with like Senator Chuchi, um, where he's just like, he's so sly. Like he's so yeah. like, he's like of playing course. The like, yeah, I want the clones to have a pension and like, I do care about them. And like, why would I not? Like, I... he's just, he's so, um, he's got, I'm going to lie straight to your face. And he's good at it. He's like, so good at I it. I love that in that conversation he has with Chuchi, he does the thing where Chuchi is like, huh, it's pretty weird that like Topoka city got destroyed, et cetera, et cetera. And he's like, and she's like, and where were you? And he's like, I was off world in a training exercise. If I had been there, maybe, maybe we could I could have, have saved, saved more, more people. And it's, it's like so playing the victim and like really like juicing it to where he's like, this dude is fucking went to Juilliard. Like he is working his <laughs> ass off in this role. And he's like convincing the shit out of these people. No, and like, seriously. And even like, him on the fucking Senate floor, him yeah, being yeah. like, I'm sure we can come to like, I totally agree it's, with you. And like, we can come to totally like a, yeah. a compromise and I, let's talk about it. I loved being able to see his public persona because it is such a, a, a new thing. And that's something we talked about in our last season a lot is mm-hmm. like this show, at least in its first season was so good at showing us a new version of things we had already seen. Yeah. And I think with Rampart at the head of the Empire, we got to see something like that. It's the very like smarmy, conniving, but not in like a evil for evil's sake way. Uh, uh, this is a regular guy who wants a lot in his life and he's going to fucking work for it. Right. Mm-hmm. Seeing him like twist and like silver tongue his way through this like insane political sphere is incredible to see. I wanted more of it. I wanted more of it too, or at least just like I, I mean, obviously he gets got in the mid season. Yes, he which does. Is, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, episode seven, or he gets gotten eight, and like I don't know, it just feels like we have way more episodes without him than we do with him. Yeah, um, we did what well, we do. <laughs> this is true, but like I, just a little bit of a glimpse, and I'm like, I'm not saying that like I think that they completely wrote him out. No, I would hope they don't. I really I, hope I, so too. I'm pretty sure in season three he'll come back yeah i um, just we because he's got beef now yeah he's a lot of beef with a lot of people <laughs> which is like again conflict gold mine yeah come on like all, plot. that is it's wild that <laughs> and again we'll get to it but it is wild to me that that wasn't milked in the latter half of the season even with little tiny glimpses of just a few scenes Rampart, just a few because like, it you don't even like, have to pay it off is, at the end of the season. That is all you can do with that is fucking cash it in. Yeah. And that's what you want. That's what you're working for Those in are- a story is the cash in payoff moments. Yeah, which you need setup for. And these little moments could be great setups yeah. for the next season. And we'll get to it when we get to it. <sighs> we're going to get getting to it there. really soon. Uh, um, okay, the next being Hemlock. Uh, I just, most of my, he doesn't really have a character development because we kind of just met him. Yeah. He was a late addition. He was a late addition. Party. Again, um, I, I like that he's kind of a different flavor of villain obviously they can't like get rid of one villain and then replace him with like a carbon copy of the same one so like good good job he's a lot creepier <laughs> um let's talk about Hem- hemlock and emery as like a duo because yes. like they are kind of re- she is kind of referred to as his like assistant yeah um and she is present a lot of times i, when I will around. say i'm just gonna say this right now we'll mm-hmm. get into it later that other as you said banged scientist the one with the bangs i, I yeah. think we could almost completely omit her at this point <laughs> don't even remember her name her name is she, who is Scalder. she she doesn't have a first name she's no she one to me have a, well i love that like when we first got introduced these characters it's like it's so weird that one of them has a first name and the other one doesn't <laughs> and now <laughs> we're like well i wonder why um yeah so hemlock and emery car yeah uh, I think we were talking about this this morning. 
Hemlock isn't my favorite at the moment because I think he came in at a weird spot in the story. And I think that we really needed him earlier. We need to understand more of his motivation. We need to understand literally what the fuck that he's working on. That's like a huge critique of mine, of ours. And also the stuff with Emery. I think we needed to plant the seeds more in this season. I think with Rampart, we got a lot of context in season one that helped us contextualize him as a character and like we didn't we talked about this last season but we we really didn't need a huge backstory for him and why he's part of the empire and how he got here because like it's really not that important we know his motivation his motivation is to um rise through the ranks have more power um control the most things he can control like he's he's very uh attuned to the empire's uh, moral values right he is out here for a monopoly yeah we don't need to know like we had enough of his motivations and we had enough of him in a context that we could put those pieces together um we don't have that with hemlock other than literally he's like an evil mad scientist like i want more like he's the kind of character that i think you have like kind of a tragic backstory not tragic but like you know more of his backstory or just like because we get- need it to understand what he's doing i i other than him being a, a weird threatening poison man <laughs> yep i don't know what i'm supposed to be yeah. afraid of him doing and i think um i mean i brought this up this morning when we were talking about it but like i feel like contrasting him with another star wars villain being maul is interesting because in my mind, Maul gets to a point where he's kind of evil for evil's sake. He has an inte- like a revenge plot line. Yeah. But a lot of what he does in between that is like, I'm going to freelance as like a, a, a chaos mongrel. Yeah, and not to bring like Jedi shit in here, but like... <laughs> into that Star dirty, Wars. dirty, Keep Jedi. it out of, out of my Star Wars. Not my Star Wars. <laughs> Fuck those guys. <laughs> not to bring Jedi shit in here, but like he hemlock does kind of like vibe like he would be kind of a chaos monger in like a weird structured way i don't know how to put it like i'm just really loving that you use the correct word which is monger and i said chaos mongrel (laughs) (laughs) he's like a a rabid dog (laughs) or chaos this man i mean that fits mall it does um I don't know. Like, Hemlock is chaotic in a way. Like, I, I he's chaotic in that he's, like, puts poison in vents. Which, <laughs> and, like, in his free time, like, gets... And he's like, my name's Dr. Hemlock. I love poison. Do you poison. think he legally changed his name? Absolutely. His first name is Royce. He's probably, like, Royce... Johnson. Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> this is the primary villain, Royce Johnson. <laughs> he goes fishing on the weekends, and he drives a Ford F-150. <laughs> that was just, like, a redneck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, like, he, he does kind of have that vibe of, like, chaotic kind of evil a little bit yeah i forgot where i was going i was this. talking about mall in context to mall yeah in um, contrast to mall but guess. yeah we don't have his motivation no why does he want to do this why yeah. is he how did he become part of the empire yeah. i mean like we get his backstory that he was part of the republic's advanced science division <laughs> yeah uh, his, the republic's autism spectrum disorder yeah no, um <laughs> but we don't get like what he did to get kicked out there like i would have loved some more like just how far has this man gone in the past that I should be afraid of him going in the future? Yeah, I think we just lack a lot of context for him. Yeah. And, like, again, he doesn't really, like, we don't get enlightened at any point to why he is the way that he is, why he's doing what he's doing, or even what he's doing. He kind of is just, like, a guy. 
here. We know he's scary and he's not afraid to hurt people. Sort of that's it. Why I wanted to bring Maul into this because I think he's an interesting context contrast because Uh like he does do just like evil shit because he likes to be insane. Yeah. But like it makes sense for his character because I think to be fair with Maul, we have like a lot of screen time with him a lot of context over the you know the series is that he's in i was gonna say we have the benefit of having him in a lot of properties yeah i just like i feel like it comes off differently because like he's a sith originally and like their whole and he's like the most rip shit insane sith like i it just makes more sense in that context in especially in the context of a story that is with jedi and sith that is like this weird fundamental cosmic good versus evil to have like a chaos agent in there and then we have our story in Bad Batch, which is like a lot more about like humanity and choice and like where you find yourself in like a very changing world. To have a character like Hemlock, who's very much like we've mentioned before, a caricature, which would fit in a story more like a, a Jedi and Sith good versus evil thing. To have him here feels weird. Because also we really don't hit he's not that like, much on this season of like tr- good versus evil. Like that's not really a huge theme in no. the season. Um, like I think it comes up the amount you would think that it would besides like the empire is full bad yeah we already know that it's not like they're beating around the bush being like oh there are some redeemable parts of the empire like no it's all bad we don't like (laughs) the contrast that this villain provides is none (laughs) to that yeah i i think that's sort of what i'm getting at is that like he kind of feels out of place in this i think because like he isn't specific enough to contrast against like the characters that we have and then like our story that we have here is very much like it feels like a human one especially when it comes to like the batch finding out who they are and even like in rampart who you know is acting on these very human emotions of like greed and stuff like hemlock kind of doesn't have that same vein of like character in him he just seems like i don't know i think that's why adding context adding backstory and motivation to him would have helped because it would have like in a weird way humanized him Mm-hmm. For a story that's very much a, a human story. It's yeah. not it's not really about, yeah, what's good Big and evil. Big pictures of good yeah. and evil, yeah. All right. Um, I mean, we talked about the Empire kind of tightening its grip in season one, and now yeah. we're escalating in season two, so uh, I don't really have anything else to say about No, I think it's we're Empire good to character. continue on. Okay, so <laughs> let's get into, like, okay, we're going to go through literally all of the episodes, not in explicit detail. Because but, like, we, we cannot. But just, like, whole season, you know, view. Broad what, strokes. Broad strokes, what would we change? If we were all of a sudden in control of how this season went, which what would we make changes to? Dream, but hey hey hi us. um hi we're sad and we love story uh okay so as i said a long a long time ago as oh. i said last week i'm in my outline era oh i was like a long time ago how long ago <laughs> how long are we talking um okay so like we said broad strokes a lot of this is gonna have to do with what we literally just talked about so we can as i said re speed racer the fuck through this because <laughs> we don't want to keep you here that long no um okay so we alluded to this. Let's just start at the beginning. Ruins of War, Spoils of War. That was the wrong order. It doesn't matter. It's okay. Both really solid episodes. I really liked these episodes. I wouldn't really change anything about them. I like that Omega learned about greed, about colonialism. Like we said, I think that's a really great start to the conversation of like identity and community. And I love the use of a physical object of like this kaleidoscope that she gets to be like, wow, not all treasure is like, you know, gold and jewels. It's uh, it's art it's beauty it's human experience it's have wonder and joy and like i think that like could have i just don't feel like it followed through like i think you 
I think you gave us this tangible thing of this kaleidoscope to represent this truth that she's learned. Yeah. And then we never see the kaleidoscope again. Yeah, ever. I, think, I really think that this could have been like a literal touchstone throughout this season of yeah. like, remember those things of like human experience of joy to like keep you going. Yeah. I think we could have pulled on that a little bit more. It's wild that we don't even know where she put this kaleidoscope. We never even see we, it. That's not, like, we never see it again. It's not even in her room. I would have loved I've seen. that through line. Yeah. I, I do. I think I, so we started here really great. I also want to note that like really strong family. We got a lot of like, yes, I, I like that. We broke up these episodes with like Hunter and Wrecker in a unit and then tech echo and omega in a unit i think that was a really interesting split i like that we got to see i don't know like this sort of uh, they work together really well in all these different combinations Mm -hmm. and i feel like it was like i liked the angst in this episode yeah it felt really sweet i like that we got a lot of mama echo see here's the thing too with like sometimes character suffering is worse than character death like it was i felt more emotion seeing tech fucking fracture his leg and be like struggling to like go through the rest of this episode than i did when he died like which makes me sound terribly heartless but like (laughs) no but here's the thing and every time i say this i'm like wow i sound really mentally ill and i am but like (laughs) and we are don't get us wrong (laughs) don't get it twisted sister uh but there is a fate worse than death there always is a fate worse than death if you can set it up correctly starting the building blocks in episode one right like Solid ep. Solid ep. Solid foundation we have for the rest of the season. This yeah. is the thesis statement of this season, as if, I like to say. Yeah, if only. In our world, it would be the thesis statement of the yeah. season. Um, okay, Solitary Clone. I liked this ep a lot. This was a good follow-up to like the two foundation episodes here. Yeah. Um, I would have brought in Hemlock here, or not like official introduction, but just some breadcrumbs of yeah. like setting up Hemlock and Rampart as adversaries Um, as adversaries because i think some competition between those two would have been really really interesting to see i think uh, a solid thing that we can say is that a a b plot that i wish we would have seen in this season is like a rivalry between rampart and hemlock that way when rampart gets got in the mid-season hemlock being our sort of soul villain makes sense yeah and his plans could go forward because when rampart gets got it's another two episodes before we are actually introduced to hemlock we don't see him in the crossing we don't see him in retrieval we see him then in metamorphosis hemlock hemlock yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, Which, we, and then you have a total of one two three four episodes until the finale yeah for to build his character as the yeah. villain which doesn't seem like enough it's not and again i think this show really showed us in the last season that you can do a lot with a little so like my thought here was like oh when crosshair walks into rampart's office in solitary clone to like get his assignment or whatever yeah hemlock could have been there via a skype message or in person or whatever and you could you could get like the end bit of a conversation even if crosshair hears it like through the door before he comes in right where you can understand that there's a something else going on here we can see hemlock and also you can get that there is like a tension between there yeah between them i mean they could even be having like a a a conference call with tarkin as well yeah like because it hemlock and rampart are not so unrelated because rampart is the admiral he's leading this army at least in the admin side of it we don't really know totally what his job is yeah they didn't well they didn't give us his resume at the beginning of that important to know specifically but like he's trying to phase out these clones right he he's like we're done with them we he wants his own yeah. army that's the whole 
purpose Again, of war, war mantle. mantle. Uh, right. And then Hemlock, we learned like, much, much later that like he, he wants these clones. He's trying to experiment on them. He's yeah. He's like, like using them as guinea pigs. Yeah. When, you know, that other guy in the summit meeting is like, well, why don't we just like decommission them? He's just like, they'll do better. I'll do better things yeah. with them if you give them to me. Yeah. So we could have established this way early on. And um, then also we were talking about this earlier, having Emery be in the background of a lot of this, like whenever we see Hemlock, even in a, in like a split POV, a breadcrumb, a little tidbit, like she's always there. Yeah. And like planting her as the sort of like payoff for later and like having like potentially because she's an, the same type of clone as Omega, I guess. Like having, we we don't know yet, but let's build the suspense here because I mean, it was an interesting twist especially even the family theme that we get at the end where yeah. it's like, oh, it's like, how, can, sister. Yeah. how can we flip the family theme again? And I'm not saying you twisted. have to give it away super early. Like, no. don't. You could still have that twist, but like, but like make her more of a present character. Yeah. So we're like, huh, who's that? I think also like making her a present character and then never giving anything away about her could have been interesting, right? Yeah. The whole season, just seeing this character in the background. And even I suggested having like weirdly lingering shots Yeah, where it's like, oh, that's weird. That that's like escalate through the season. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, okay. There's something about this woman. But, but right? like, I don't know. But yeah. we're not giving anything away. Yeah. Could have been really interesting. And obviously she's going to be like a player in the next season. So oh, like absolutely. that could have been a really interesting thing. To, she's like, just not in season three. Yeah. <laughs> she uh, dies. I also think like retroactively, I think she should have been the one in the post credit scene of the season one finale instead of Scalder. I don't know if I already said that, but no. like it should have been yeah. her because we should have had like a lead in with her and maybe they hadn't figured it out yet, but whatever. Yeah. So having that in solitary clone, uh i really did like the theme here of like we talked about like it's not really good versus evil in this show but i did really like in this episode that it was like who really is the bad guy and the good guy but it's because it's not a grand theme but it is present in this episode because of cross i think though right because we're seeing it from crosshair's pov Mm -hmm. and like also we're seeing cody as like a foil and i feel like we get that episode did such a good job of like getting us into the like, remember Clone Wars? Yeah. Remember how fun it was? Yeah. The clones and doing all the crazy shit, you know? And they're here and to like, help people. Yeah. And it's like, and then you get this aha moment of like when they're in that courtyard and the mm-hmm. people come out of their house where you're like, uh oh. They're the bad guys here. Th- this, yeah. isn't, this isn't what I remember. And you get this like weird feeling of like, holy shit, like things really are different. Yeah. And I obviously think that is helpful to Crosshair's character, even if he didn't really know it at that point. And obviously Cody being like a huge foil in that is so important, right? Because yeah. like it almost informs Cody's character more because that's like what pushes him to leave all mm-hmm. of that episode. But yeah, I thought that was a really good thing about that episode. Uh, I really liked that episode. Uh, I there is a question written down on here, which is, <laughs> did Crosshair tell Rampart about the batch? On a rewatch, I was actually uh, confused about this because we never really. Yeah. <laughs> this is a, this is the first time we're seeing Crosshair and Rampart interact in this new season since like the last season's finale. Um, yeah. And as we know, Crosshair was like left on that landing platform for like um, a month <laughs> or, yeah. or something. But I want to know, like, did he tell Rampart that he killed, like, the Batch was dead to, like, because cause they, came, they came to a conclusion. They were like, all right, fine. We're just, we're, we're agreeing to disagree. Goodbye. Yeah. So I want to know if, like, Crosshair didn't tell him that uh, the Batch was still alive. And then Rampart finding out in, like, Spoils of War, Ruins of War, and then being like, you, sh- you knew. Why didn't you tell me? And this kind of, like, tension building between them. My um, thought with that is that, like, Rampart, you know, had the order to destroy Topoka City. Mm-hmm. He assumed that the batch died. And then, like, when he picked up Crosshair, Crosshair could have been like, oh, they ain't dead. And then he's like, we're going to keep this hush-hush. But it it really isn't 
It feels so out of character for Rampart to do that. I don't know why he wouldn't just kill Crosshair and then just be like the secret. He does love to kill people because <laughs> of information. That's what I'm saying. It's like I'm actually really surprised that that we started this season with like Crosshair back with the Empire. Like because it's just like the Empire doesn't forgive. They are like you fucked up. Goodbye. Yeah, it is. I mean, I won't really call it like a plot hole, but it is no. kind of a question of like, how did this information get to Charlie? Did he find it out himself? Was he told? That's what I'm saying. I just wish this was a little bit more clear. Yeah, and it, and even like a well, you know, you get to be back here because you said you would keep this secret. Sort yeah, of thing. it it could have built. It was an opportunity to build some tension and cause some conflict, and th- that kind of didn't really happened very much that being said everything about that episode i love good um okay faster we've already talked about how we both really like it i I like that it wouldn't change anything about that episode i like that it it breadcrumbed sid becoming a a shitty person later or at least reminded us of that fact Mm -hmm. um i i also think we should talk about like where it falls in the the series of episodes it after three episodes that were like kind of a little bit more heavy handed about stuff. Mm-hmm. It was nice to have a lot of levity in faster. Yeah. Um, it was really funny. It made me laugh. It still makes me laugh. Uh, it's a bottle episode that has character breadcrumbs in it, which is what I'm looking for. Yeah. Filler slash bottle episodes, I think do have a purpose. Um, and it is to break up the, uh, heaviness of things or like have a little bit, like you said, of levity. Um, and I think we really needed it here. Um, it was kind of a, a we're kind of hitting the reset button on like all right what's the batch up to now yeah okay and now we're gonna go on to entombed <laughs> which is uh the start of of an escalating thing of what would we change entombed doesn't have like a lot of uh, i will say we rewatch the episode i think it's pretty boring uh, this is my least favorite episode of the entire s- season so that being said <laughs> i would probably change the pacing of that episode i would hurts figured... me to say because i really like fee's character yeah i just I think there are things that we needed to hit on in that episode that is what makes the latter half of this season feel like it wasn't as thought out as maybe it should be. Like this episode just feels like a lot of wasted time. Yeah. And it, honestly, if this season, if this show had set itself up as being kind of like early Clone Wars kind of like fun episodes like a very immerse um, you in star wars vignettes. world but like aren't really that plot heavy it would have been a fine episode this episode whatever. would fit really well in clone wars yeah but this show is not that this show is not the early seasons of clone wars no. it is plot heavy it is got a narrative it's got hard-hitting characters yeah. and this episode just doesn't have any of that yeah so that being said i think that we can in the lineup keep entombed here because i think we needed to introduce fee as her own character right but i think pacing wise it needed to be looked at again and there needed to be some bigger things here with fee's character because here's the deal i think it's pretty out of character that she takes them to pabu that she is a treasure hunter she says but she's only reclaiming artifacts like it they had to the point where they have a whole tower where they keep artifacts that are important to people's culture who are refugees on Pabu, which is a lovely sentiment and lovely thing that it they've done. It feels like a completely out of character move though. Because in this other episode, that Pabu's the next time we see Fee. In Entombed, she's like, I love money and I want this because it's this like treasure because it's expensive. And like, and, like she, she has just, like a um a third Indiana Jones moment with like the holy like how Elsa yeah. dies because she won't like not reach for the grail. Like she kind of has that moment. Obviously she doesn't die, but like 
she has that moment where someone else has to pull her out of it and be like let, let it yeah. go like she, in a weird way she has to learn not to be greedy but like it's not like at the end of that episode she's like wow I'm really gonna rethink my life choices and then by the time we see her in Pabu she's like wow I just found this place and I wanted to share it with you you know like it no just, there's no <laughs> development in the background so like our solution to this was like essentially we needed to take more time there to develop that her what her character is right from the start yes. so like we had to to set up that she is not like a, a pirate for money reasons she's not a hondo right yeah like she needed to do something that showed that she actually was in it for like kind of more altruistic reasons and also i'll double down on that i think pitting her against sid would have been kind of a good move here in like a don't tell Sid I do this. I'm actually not in it for the money sort of a way. Yeah, it would have endeared her to the batch a little bit more. And because like in later in the later seasons, she kind of represents like a way out for later the batch. episodes. Sorry, yes, later episodes in this season. She kind of does represent this way out for the batch of like, you don't need to be a soldier anymore. You don't need to do this. Yeah. And, and so we need to basically, she, she never double crosses them. So we need to... um develop her as or introduce her specifically off the bat as someone that is is safe yeah and even like again like I was saying like if you introduced her as someone that is like altruistic and safe and like wanting the betterment of the batch and also you put her in contrast to Sid at the end of the day when the batch ends up cutting ties with Sid they would have someone that they could immediately think of yeah well and then you know having that if that were what this episode was and that's how they characterized fee it would have been it's really good that it's right after faster because we do all have all that stuff with sid, sid you know foreshadowing um in faster and then we could have some fee foreshadowing in entombed but we don't get that we get <laughs> fee being sort of like a han solo hondo-esque treasure hunter who's very just about money yeah um i do think also here I, we made a note of this in our doc, but like we could have had a split POV here even just for like one scene with yeah. our B plot of the Empire, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like it kind of alludes more to the first season when we had a lot of split POVs on the first half of the yeah. first season, right? Because we were getting to know like Rampart and what he was up to and whatever. Yeah, I think you could have even like mentioned or alluded to the concept of Pabu and Entombed. Like Fee could have been cagey about that, yeah. set, set up su- some suspense. Like some... you could even have her be like, Oh, and they'll be like, well, why do you do this? And she's like, well, I have, you know, people like I have people to, I need to take care of. Yeah, or, yeah. Like alluding to something like that or even cutting herself off and being like, I'm not going to talk about that. And yeah. like, it was very weird. But, um, but like now, now I'm really interested. I like, will say the other thing that I want we wanted to bring up in this episode is the lack of chemistry between tech, which we already we already talked about. It's, but it's, it's not even that she doesn't. It's just like, oh, well, they're not. They don't have chemistry. She has a shit ton of chemistry with Hunter. Yeah. That is the thing that we wanted to bring up. I didn't realize this the first time we watched it because it didn't matter at that point. But on the rewatch, obviously, she talks a lot with Hunter. They are in stark contrast with each other. They have that sort of bantery nature that a lot of our, like, especially animated Star Wars love interests or, like, relationships have. And it makes, honestly, a lot more sense for her to be... It it makes more sense for Hunter and Fee to be set up. Yeah. Even, uh, Even later this makes sense yeah and and we'll get there. we'll get there okay so tribe <laughs> tribe is a is a rough one for us because it feels like a big change you might want to turn around and look at the board while we talk about this yeah i know um. excuse me while i move my microphone and then i don't look at you <laughs> okay tribe was 
an interesting episode. I think the theme of family really stuck here. Like, I wouldn't change that about it. You could even still keep, like, Gunji being in there. I think that's interesting. But this is, I think, a prime time to introduce this weird theme of these strange clones. And a lot of the times in the rest of the season, they are commandos that I think is being hinted that they work for Hemlock. So... I think we should also note here that as we talk about constantly, we never got any information about what Hemlock is actually working on. So we're kind of working under the guise of our best assumption at this moment, which is, I don't know, he's probably like super soldier genetic altering people and he's using clones as like guinea pigs. Yeah. It also seems like that part of that is like wiping people's memory or making them more like obedient, obedient. And because we get hints about that with like crosshair and stuff and then yeah. also the mid season anyway. Yeah. So that, that being said, ha- we should be starting to see here a little bit of like the breadcrumbs that we, cause this episode, we're going to treat it as like a setup to the mid season, which is the next two episodes. So yeah, I would have introduced, I mean, you have Gunji being like basically like trafficked by these droids who we don't know who they work for. It's kind of irrelevant at that, at this point. Um, but like, I would have loved if, if they had been, the batch had rescued him from being purchased by like maybe a a couple of these like clone commandos or like strange clones starting with that like mystery of like, I mean, even just like any empire integration here or yeah, just any because like, I mean, they would they still want to get rid of all the Jedi. Yeah. That's something that continuously happens for years after mm-hmm. Order 66, right? Like, it yeah. just feels like instead of having the bulk of this episode be... I, the bulk of it could still be, like, Gunji and returning him to Kashyyyk. Yeah. But, like, y- even just a little of, like, a empire interest or empire tie-in or, like, you know, this thing that ends up being kind of a hemlock thing tie-in in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. It could also be even that, like instead of and we were talking about this earlier instead of the main antagonists of this being like the Trandoshans which are kind of just like a random just some random folks who yeah. like to most dangerous game people weird, I guess the weird slavers I guess yeah uh, and hunters and whatever like you could have had the main antagonist of this being like oh we got to escape the empire and then the resolution being like we get to bring Gunji home and like he gets yeah. to reclaim his culture and that's sort of like the sweet gift we get for helping other people well yeah and I, I do like the um this is like kind of the first uh the, or the like second episode that we see that touches on the community and diversity of uh being as being an, yeah. an enemy to col- uh, colonialism i really like that i think they treat this really well in this episode yeah and um, I, I i like yeah i like that we get the whole concept of like let's regain one's culture like that's really valuable and again yeah tying that into the concept of community and family yeah so oh that's how we would change that i mean i don't know yeah again i think we could have like in a lot of these episodes like even just one scene at the end or somewhere in the middle with like hemlock doing his nasty grim machinations or like we just really needed some hints just a little bit more of him here yeah i just again the fact that we didn't see him until like four episodes till the finale and then we got pretty much no payoff with any of the information that we we could have about him uh, was difficult so I would have I would have started that earlier yeah and then again you could have pitted um, Rampart and Hemlock against each other mm-hmm. and created this like b-plot rivalry that's building tension because like neither of them are good yeah um okay the mid-season mid-season <sighs> this is when it starts to heat up and we would change not not change but just like add a few things I first will, of all I think Crosshair needed to be yeah in a, this a peek season. behind the curtain the whiteboard gets pretty full and crazy <laughs> when we hit season goes on. yeah yeah I do think Crosshair needed to be in this uh the big reasoning for that is I'm totally fine with 
Rampart getting got, getting yeah. arrested. I think that was a great twist. It played off really interestingly. But because uh, like someone like Crosshair wasn't there and we don't see Rampart after that, it feels kind of like all for naught at this point. Yeah. It doesn't um, really feel like it had a purpose. Especially, and I know I've said this before, but like, especially since like, fucking rampart last words were like i was following orders yes that's just such like a uh a call out to crosshair that like if he had if we had fucking seen him witness that it would have been really been like call out him. post not even that but like <laughs> if he had witnessed the batch being the people who are trying to help the clones right in contrast to the empire now being wanting to get rid of the clones like that would have been a huge i think piece of the puzzle in like why crosshair makes his decision that he makes an outpost yeah i think uh previously we've thrown out the idea that like crosshair could have been the sniper maybe i mean not even we don't even necessarily need him to be that he could just be like around or doing stuff for rampart or whatever i i, I understand that the sniper who's like ends up just being a clone who's like effectively his clone vin number has been erased uh, that that being, I guess, a breadcrumb to what Hemlock is working on. But here, it would have been a better breadcrumb if Hemlock, if we had like an official introduction of Hemlock in the mid season. Oh yeah, that's a big one. Is yeah. like the mid season is, I think, latest that we should have had an introduction to Hemlock. Official introduction. Yeah. yeah. Like really see him. This is Doctor Royce Hemlock. He's a fucking creep. You know. Yeah, he's part of the you know science, science division. People. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, like just an official. You know, we don't need to see his like peak villainy right now but just like here here he is Um, and again i think having sorry we're jumping around a little bit with this but like having all of these pieces come to play like these dominoes fall all at this exact moment and having crosshair be there to witness charlie taking the rap for everything yeah for rampart excuse me taking the rap for everything could have been like that last little tick in the right direction and then when we hit by the time we hit outpost then it's like oh yeah like, and again, it's not that he needs to, like, see Rampart getting got and being like, I was following orders. And then, like, he 100% is like, oh, my God, this is going to happen to me. But having that little, like, you know, little thought in his brain that, like, literally that seed planted to pay off later in Outpost where it's like, these are the things that pushed him ever so slightly in the correct direction. Yeah. Is, it would have been, I think, a little bit more powerful in the storytelling there. And again, yeah. I think we having a, a three iteration, not iterations, but three um, crosshair tie-ins would have been a nice little thing to have yeah i think it would have been a good seed for him because all through the first season he's like oh i want to be part of the empire because like i'm useful and i'm valuable and they see that and so like as long as i continue being valuable to them i'll have a good life i'll be fine now he's seeing his boss who like he had problems with so like he probably wouldn't be very sad to see him go but at the same time it's planting the seed of like if they can get rid of him can get rid of me yeah and then like it all makes sense in and then and then in the outpost he sees oh shit they are yeah we see this firsthand it essentially is like a really concrete cornerstone of like sealing the deal of his his mental change right so yeah i mean we don't have specific details of how crosshair would be involved in these episodes but i think he should have to be fair we are trying we're not going to sit here and rewrite the entire season if we let ourselves we would (laughs) and we don't want to do that and i'm too tired for that another side note is that i do think these episodes could have been a little bit more snappy yes Uh, especially the first one is a lot of like choochie talking the batch is not at all in the in fucking clone conspiracy they're not in there at all and to be fair they were in okay if we're gonna compare this to devil's devil's deal <laughs> devil's deal rescue on ryloth they're in 
devils deal a very very small amount but it makes sense because it's very like I don't know, nonstop. Their involvement makes sense when we get to them. Yeah. It's just wild that they're not in this one. They're not in Clone Conspiracy at, at all. all. And it is a lot of conversation and kind of a lot of setup for not a lot of payoff. It's a lot of Senator Shuji walking around. And that's fine, <laughs> but I do feel like we lose the thread at some point. Like, I think it becomes a little bit too complicated of a plot line yeah. when it comes to, like, and we were talking about this when it comes to that clone slip who she talks to. We see at 79's in the beginning. She talks to at 79's later. And then she finds again when he's running around. <laughs> yeah. Like, the fact that, I don't know, it just becomes, it, it feels almost like they wanted to make a really um, complicated episode, a very like political intrigue episode. Kind, kind of like Devil's Deal and Rescue on yeah. Ryloth, but it feels but like But it wasn't got, punchy. Yeah, it wasn't punchy enough. And I think because we were... There was a lot of wasted space and wasted time. I think, too, it's hard because, like, we follow Chuchi in those episodes a lot. And, like, whereas in Devil's Deal Rescue on Ryloth, we're following Rampart. And yeah. Rampart, it makes a lot more sense that, like, things are happening. Everything's well, he's crazy. Our, he's our, like, villain. He's our, like, conniving, playing the whole board villain. Like, that's, I think, makes a lot more sense for those episodes. For this, it felt a little slow. All right. <laughs> that's what we changed about the midseason. Um, cr- the Crossing is a beautiful episode. I think it's... It was great to have just, like, one POV. We didn't need split POV here because they're dealing with the fallout of, like, losing Echo. We have these emotional moments with, like, Omega and Tech. Very good. Yeah, I don't was, have any It notes. was nice to have an episode that felt pacing-wise in the lineup a yes. little bit slower, a little bit more introspective. Because, like, again, losing Echo was a, a blow for Omega. Yeah. And also seeing what went down in the midseason yeah. of, like, even if... You try really hard. The bad guys sometimes win. Like, I think we needed, like, something de-escalating and something that was a little bit more, like, heartfelt there. And I think Crossing did a really good job of that. We also got some good character development with tech. Yes. Just tech. Yes. It was good. It was very good. No notes on that one. Retrieval. Retrieval. (laughs) The boy mine episode, as we call it. Oh, my God. Listen. Full scrub. I don't, I feel so mean because like, yep. th- it's not like a bad episode and that like, it wasn't boring. It was fine, but it just had absolutely no bearing on the rest of the season to, at to all. To the point when, when we watched that episode and critiqued it, which again, if you want, if you're ever interested in, in more of our thoughts, we feel have free to go specific listen to that episode. Yeah. It, it was weird, even in the context, the plot of that one episode I don't think even played off that well. No. And in the greater plot line, it had almost no bearing like at all, except for the fact that they are stranded at the beginning of that episode. But that's pretty much all I would keep. I think Sid abandoning them is a good step in a bad direction for her. No, I think that's a great, that's a great setup for later on. Um, I think what we needed from this episode was to hit you with more information about what Hemlock is doing. We need to start building on that. Yeah. We are more specific information. We are like four or five episodes out from the season finale. Um, so we, we again, we we just don't get a huge specific look at what Hemlock is doing or what he wants to do or what the Empire is hoping he will do for them. We don't know at all. I want more information in this episode. It could have been a split POV episode. I think an interesting development that could have happened in this episode would be the batch fully losing their ship because not only have they lost echo them losing the one place that they have ever called home besides Camino. And then like, I think if fee would have made an entrance in this episode as well, we could have started shifting that to like, okay, Pabu when it gets introduced later on could be a way more, it pushes them way more to be like, Oh, 
we might have an actual home here. Yeah. Because I, we don't ever have, we don't have a home now that yeah, our ship is gone. Essentially. And I think especially for Omega, who suffered emotionally a lot when Echo left, like essentially losing someone like that and then losing the only place that you really have felt at home mm-hmm. and then being left with what feels like nothing which obviously she still has other, you know, siblings, et cetera, left. Like, I think that would really, like, open the door for even the Batch as a whole to be more accepting of an idea like, let's stay on Pabu. Yeah. And I think that's something we really needed because, again, like we said with Hunter's character, like, he kind of feels like he got pushed around on that. He waffled a lot because, like, I don't think that we created a need for that. It just kind of was a thing that happened. Yeah. I think introducing Pabu here might have worked really well. Yeah. Because again, I think, you know, ring, 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 they call Sid. Sid's like, fuck no, get your shit back. And then they're like, we can't for whatever reason. Or there's some like imminent thing that happens, but potentially, you know, Fee coming to the rescue. Yeah. Because like, you know, if if Entombed had gone the way we plotted it, we would have, you know, made her a safe person and kind of a character with a heart of gold. Yeah. Yeah. And then it again, makes sense that she would come to their rescue. Exactly. And like, again, if they like kind of feel a little betrayed by Sid, like not helping them out, they'd be like, well, who's the next, right. Who's the only other friend who we have, who is diametrically opposed to Sid kind right. of at this point is fee. Yeah. And then again, like, look at that beautiful segue. Wow. We did it. Does this one have, did you already talk about, did this one need split POVs? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the next episode is metamorphosis. Yeah. Which I don't have like a huge amount of like stuff I would change about this one. I think we just like needed more lead up to it, which is like why the entire time we've been saying we should have a little bit of breadcrumbs or split POVs yeah. of what Hemlock is planning. We needed more information. In Metamorphosis, I think the Zillow Beast was fine. I We were just, I mean, we just watched it again today as a refresher. The space horror is so fun. I love the way this episode starts. I love the the fact that it's like a beastie. Um <laughs> But I just feel like we needed a simplification because this is the first time that we see Hemlock. And this this would have hit so much harder if we had met him before. And now maybe this episode we figure out that Omega becomes a target for him. We just need to simplify that a little bit more. Yeah, I think um, I, I think we alluded to this kind of like in the finale, especially too, is just like the concept of like Hemlock getting orders from Tarkin and Hemlock being like, how do I do this? And then going to Nalase and Nalase is like, you can never use me. And then he's like, well, I guess I'll go to Lama Sue. And then Lama Sue's like, go find Omega to use as leverage <laughs> for Nalase. Is and like he needs way... to get crosshair to get Omega. And like, it's a lady in the fly, lady swallow to fly situation. Yeah, here. or a Star Wars episode two situation. I, it's way too convoluted of a plot line for an episode to episode show where like those are threads that you have to follow. Also, I think it really de, I almost said delegitimizes, but like essentially what we have written up is that like we need to simplify the reason that hemlock needs omega yeah and again i think it could have been for the science we could don't the science know or what we... the science is right now <laughs> or but... we could have brought in emery a little bit and shown her that she has a personal interest in finding yeah omega. i think uh, this i mean this is what you're talking about earlier but like having these these little like looks at emery like yeah. as as the season went on and then here in this episode yeah launching a sort of like slightly more concrete where like she has some sort of specific interest in this yeah not giving anything away because i think it's fine to save that for the the last part of the finale yeah absolutely but like that's a good her, twist but her having a character you know outs- outside of like the finale right you know, seeing like a, that she has it's some a good sort twist, of... It's but it just is so out of pocket. Exactly. Like, I think, again, 
in order for things in your season finale to hit, you really, really have to set up essentially work backwards, right? You're like, okay, if I want this to happen, like, where do I want my characters? Where do I want my story? Where do I want, you know, my viewer to be? Mm -hmm. And I feel like we needed a little bit more, almost like, it feels bad to say a little bit more planning, but like, it just, it it does feel that way that it's not very planned out succinctly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Would have, would have introduced an Emery C plot, would have simplified Hemlock's sort of goals there. I'm fine with the stuff with the Zillow Beast. Yeah. If, if potentially we had breadcrumbed a little bit more what Hemlock is working on, because in this episode, I think tech does uncover some information that they're like, the armor plating. And I'm like, okay, they're doing some like genetic stuff. They've cloned the Zillow Beast. They're doing something like that. Yeah. Which, um, again, my thought is that they're, like, genetically modifying people, super-soldiering them, etc. Making them invincible and also very obedient, I guess. I, I like, guess. those are the two clues that we get throughout yeah. the season. Which, again, even if he is trying to super-soldier people, which is just something that we've decided we think he's doing, he never comes out and says it, Hemlock. So, after Metamorphosis is the outpost, which I think is a beautiful, I wouldn't perfect change episode. anything about that. Yeah. Love it. Great up. Love it. Don't list it. It's perfect. <laughs> um, after that is Pabu. I think if we set up Pabu as an idea earlier, this could have hit a lot better. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, I think to deepen the conflict uh, between the badge basically choosing to be more altruistic or be more um, like self-protective, um, I think it would have been interesting to set up. If you're going to set someone up with Fee. I think you're going to set up Hunter with V because it's kind of introducing this idea that like Hunter's like, oh, maybe we do like have room for things that aren't, that are a little selfish in like a good way. Yeah. um, Like a relationship. Yeah. Maybe this is a new beginning for us. You know, like, you know, uh, Omega has a friend here. There's, there's other children her age. Yeah. Um, There's a bounty of food. The community is... Yeah. incredible it is everything that we set up at the beginning of this season right of of community of identity of like you know things that oppose the empire like it is truly a perfect thing i do wish that we would have introduced more as you're talking about internal conflict here yeah right? and like this is also the episode where we get actually it's not i'm thinking <laughs> <laughs> the next episode is the one where we get the stuff with echo again is tipping point yes pabu is the one that is just it's all pabu all the time <laughs> it's all pabu all the time and then like the the uh, conflict is like an external like n- natural disaster which we talked about i would have changed that to an internal conflict between characters again i think putting the pressure now on like what really is the decision that we're going to make with our autonomy which like you honestly could have pulled both off um yeah because like i do think that the natural disaster and them saving this town like kind of endears them to it a little bit more like they feel a little more invested in it um that makes sense but also like i just there wasn't enough internal conflict because there was just so many scenes of them hanging out and not saying anything whatsoever or just like nothing that came to a purpose like it was just like yeah this is nice like yeah Yeah, i would have loved a conversation like again it just it's it, it would seem like it would push these characters further to have like if fee and hunter had like had time to have a conversation about like the future the future not just like the future for omega or the future for them but like our future and like hey i kind of like you and like you know i don't know because they do have really good chemistry they have great chemistry in entombed and again personally i'm not a fan of setting up like people in an ensemble cast with like a a, you know one of them in in, like a weird romantic romantic relationship. relationship but like i will give you a pass here like if you can do it well yeah i just don't think fee and tech was done well i don't fee think and they... hunter 
could have been done really well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and again, in Pabu, I liked that Omega had Liana. I liked that she had someone to relate to. Yeah. I think that the conversation, the deeper conversation of her ha- being like, oh, actually, yeah, I am lonely is a good thing. And yeah. then again, she could have added to that internal conflict of like, hey, you know, actually, I think I do want to stay here, Hunter, my papa, you know, <laughs> like, I-, I think that could have like, essentially, I think in my head, what I would love is that if this came to a to a head and it was like all these forces pushing hunter in different directions and him kind of like taking it in and just being like oh god what do i do yeah uh like i think that could have been a really good amount of tension mm-hmm. um instead of just kind of like an, an it's a really sweet episode it's really beautiful yeah and again you you could have had a uh external conflict like a natural disaster and this internal conflict happen concurrently um, they don't need to be mutually exclusive. You could exclusive. even have like a moment in that episode or even the next episode where Hunter is confiding in Fee of like, I'm supposed to be the leader, but yeah. I don't really know what to do. That would have been great. Like again, having a, uh, what did you call it? I keep saying crisis of faith. It's an existential a, crisis. Thank you. I was like, he, unless he has faith in himself, which maybe he does. It's not a <laughs> crisis of faith. An existential crisis. Well, just like he's he's questioning who he is yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like I think that could have been a really interesting, and again, like a very human story yeah. of like, wow, it. I'm, I have a lot of pressure on me what am i gonna do yeah uh and then i think okay so tipping point (laughs) tipping point i think this is where things needed to start becoming very very sticky yes and then again okay so i think uh tipping point is where we needed to have like peak emery without hemlock like solidifying her almost like c plot yeah whisper of a c plot like you know in in our version we've had her introduced beforehand like this is the one where she no is it is it pabu is pabu also split pov with the, i don't know no, it's, no not. it's not it's tipping point is the one that's like crosshair is captured yeah and and with emery and then we have like hemlock and tarkin we have echo and his crew yeah, yeah, and yeah. also the batch so much happens in this episode I oh my god it's fucking insane um I, yeah i would have had peak more peak her uh just like suspense and stuff i think that they should have played crosshair's voicemail <laughs> we're still so stuck on that so i think i I think okay so like i was talking about right with attention with hunter i think echo coming back into the mix would have been a really really great like echo coming back into the mix and essentially bringing information about crosshair could have been like a really good uh uh thing to add to that you know this is when like oh my god what do i do really comes to a head right because now we also have that conversation with hunter and echo where you know hunter's like what you're doing isn't sustainable echo and he's like well i gotta do it you know yeah it's not really about being sustainable it's about um helping our family yeah well and it would have been such a good contrast to you with pabu if like hunter and fee were kind of like yeah like we i i want to stay here or, like you know and, and then echo comes in and is just like hey we here's why you can't yeah and like here's some conflict here's some uh, i'm gonna challenge you on this a little bit yeah yeah, yeah. um and, and then it- it's like pushing him to make a decision yeah like an actual decision yes and it almost, I kind of want it to be like right when he gets to the moment where he's like, I think I know what I want to do. I think I know what's best for us. Like that gets just like fucking shattered. Because Crosser's like, hey, you need to hide. <laughs> yeah. Because like the wild card thing that happens is that they never thought they were going to hear from like fucking Crosshair yeah. again. And then he comes back into their lives and it's like, yeah. oh God. Yeah. This changes everything. Yeah. Yeah. And again, we're so stuck on this, but I think it is, this sounds so mean, but like <laughs> kind of foolish not to, that's like playing the voicemail that he gives is like it's like showing and not telling and instead we got the telling part and like it didn't really feel as sincere because like we as a viewer weren't getting like the emotionality of it communicate that they understood yeah this or they got this 
also, I mean, I will say in Tipping Point, we needed less less split POVs. I don't think we needed as much crosshair scenes as they gave us. Because the same thing happens to him in every... Yeah. In everything. Because, like, we didn't need that last one of him getting no. tortured again. Like, no. again, him being in there and then like with emory i think is one of the first ones and then he tries to escape that obviously we needed that but after that it would have been more interesting to just not see him again yeah and just having this like oh getting to hear his voice yeah right and like again i think we mentioned this in that episode where like it could have you could have like distorted it and like creeped it up in a just way like they did with the voicemail that Sid left exactly them. where like you really as the viewer and as the batch get to be like oh god like this is not good and like i think also hearing someone's voice like Mm -hmm. takes out the question of sincerity especially with crosshair because he's very much like haha a straight shooter um (laughs) but like right because when tech tells them that information hunter is like do we really think that he like has turned on the empire yeah and tech's like well all things point to yes <laughs> like it, it would have been a lot more convincing i think if they heard it and they heard yeah. like the sincerity in his voice and yeah. then they could have been like wow like this is not something we ever expected and yeah. this changes everything yeah. like and then <laughs> is it in this episode or the next episode where tech is like we gotta go after him i think it's in the next one okay because that's like the top that's of like the, the top summit of the, yeah. yeah okay the season finale <sighs> We are fucking blazing through this right now, okay. which is needed. one of the things that absolutely there's no question it was needed for like the season. It's the fucking season finale. You need to have Dr. Evil Hemlock reveal his actual plan. Please, Dr. It needs Hemlock to be was like my a- father. Call me <laughs> Dr. Evil. I just like he needs he we need to have like a yes this is what i'm going to do and this is what you want me to do i will do this like uh, like we don't i don't know why i'm afraid for these people he's got three of them two of them at least in his grasp why two and maybe attack who knows (laughs) why why specifically should i be afraid yeah and again i think there's kind of like a cliche to like the big villain speech but he is an incredibly cliched villain so i honestly don't think it would be that out of out of the ordinary to have him be like finally my evil plans you know like i just we needed even if it was in like kind of a desperate way we really needed information here and the fact that we got literally zero at any point no information about what he's doing which is why at this point we have to assume that he's like genetically altering super soldiering people whatever just to just to maybe fix this just like his whole speech about like i want to lead to an enlightened society like what the fuck does that mean it doesn't, well, it doesn't mean anything. And again, I, <laughs> the I'm, Vegas speech. I love that they're just at this meeting. I know this is so off off topic, but like they're just at this meeting and Tarkin's like, what do you have? Like, what are you accomplishing? And he's just like, what if society was better? Give me money for it. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I know they're Nazis. So like, okay. But like, we really didn't need to get into that. And like, again, I, I would have preferred some solid information again, especially in a season finale, if you wanted to like hype me up for the next season and make mm-hmm. it very ominous in a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. And again, our goal, us, Becca and Julia, in replotting this are like, we want the batch to be more broken than it is, right? Because that's yeah. going to fucking shoot you into the next season because yeah. it's like, what are they going to do? Yeah. If we know what Hemlock is up to, mm-hmm. we're going to be like 100,000 times more concerned about the people who are in his clutches exactly like which the way that we would have changed it is that like it's just hunter and wrecker alone at the end of it all uh echo somehow had to go back to rex like i don't know the idea of like echo choosing that 
over them not because he's just like i don't like you anymore but just like by necessity had to go back like there's some force that he has to, he has to go back yeah like shit starts hitting the fan with rex and like um it, and it, then omega so basically echo omega and tech are gone yeah and it's just kind of hunter and wrecker being like oh my god what do we do it with, really it mirrors the no home with no and home, no one to go to no one to go to like it really mirrors the beginning of this season where like they kind of get split up, which is, I know is kind of a dumb, stupid little detail to focus on. But like, I really do like that kind of cyclical, like we start the season with like it's Hunter Tech, and, Echo and yeah. Omega together. And then like Wrecker and Hunter. Yeah. You know, that, those are the two groups that we have. Yeah. It's really stupid little detail to like dwell on, but like it, the cyclical nature of it really, I don't know. It just kind of ties it together. It's very poetic to me. Yeah. It is. It, I, and I, I think this season really, I was kind of missing some of that like poetic, like operatic nature of yes. things. Like we had that a couple of times. And I think to be fair, I think the outpost does that really well. But yes. I think here at the end of all things, it should have been the culmination of all of that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like essentially Hemlock giving us more information. One of my pet peeves is like, I think we could have spent a little less time with them infiltrating the base and running around and a little bit more time with that moment with tech dying. Yeah. I think building that up a little bit more and drawing it out a little bit more and making it feel uh, a little bit more tragic could have yeah. could have really done it for me because as it stands when I was watching it I wasn't really that engrossed in it it just kind of felt I don't know I was confused like I wasn't even really that emotional about it which is again surprising I for was gonna me. say which is very surprising for you <sighs> crying gushing on the floor etc that's sort <laughs> of my vibe but yeah so I, I wanted that to be pulled on a little bit more and then again towards the end of it I mean I love the the last kind of part of this episode where like they do the fucking the rail car wreck and yeah. there's all that like crazy pov stuff and like i don't know and i like sid turning on them like that yeah. i think was played off really well but i think that was set up really well and we get the payoff for it yeah and i think though like with yeah like i think they should have been more split up and i think echo essentially like in that time between them getting to ormentel and then sid flipping on them there could have been like echo we really need you and it's a really hard thing for him to leave but Mm -hmm. like ultimately they're like this is the person that you are and that's okay yeah and he's like okay i have to i have to go and it's like kind of reluctant but whatever Mm -hmm. and then all that crazy shit happens with like you know omega getting got and then sid flip and sid flipping on them and etc hemlock coming i think and then yeah we end it (laughs) with this twist of yeah um, I, you have a sister. Yeah, I think like because the last shot of what we see in the show of them is them being like, we're never going to stop until we get Omega back. Yeah. We don't know what to do, but we're gonna, never going to stop trying. Like, I think having that be just Hunter and Wrecker, like legitimately, even if it's like completely quiet and they're just sitting next to each other in, in the silence. Tragic. And just being like, we don't know what to do. And Hunter and Wrecker being like, we can't stop until we find her. Yeah. And it's like, I know, but like, how, how are hard hitting to if they were doing that on a ship that wasn't there? It's completely unfamiliar like, to them. Legitimately, like on a public transpo, you know? That's yeah, so good. Like refugees, essentially. Yes. Again, from the Empire. Like <sighs> understanding what it is like to be all the people they were that like they've been helping. This close to calling Pabu home, and now they're like, they're without it all. Yeah. Ugh, and like, so good. And then having the last scene be Omega seeing crosshair on Mount Tantis and mm-hmm. then like Emery being there and like having that cinched. I, yeah. I love too that. Like it's, um, it's kind of like you've lost your family. Here's like blood family. kind yeah, of. Yeah. It's like, it's almost like a, like a bastardization of yeah. the concept of family. It's right? really interesting. Like, again, I do love this twist, but like, it is so out of pocket. I'm like, where did that come from? Yeah. And then <laughs> I will say 
that's pretty much all for what we have to change except for we did forget to mention that I would somewhere in here I would have had a scene with Charlie Rampart oh yeah something like yeah I, I, show me where he is I just want to see yeah him yeah again. yeah like even if it was a after credit scene of the mid-season that where we fun. we yeah. see him in, in prison yeah. and we see that he still has like resolve and he's like I'm I'm gonna fucking because now girl boss gatekeep gaslight <laughs> my way out of this one because now his motivation is like it's revenge it's revenge he's kind of becoming un- and, more unhinged like he already fucking hates the batch because they continuously defy him. Now he hates now Hemlock. He, and now he wants revenge on Hemlock and like the Empire. Yeah. And this could have been his really unhinged era. And I hope we get it. I hope I hope I'm, I hope just some prayers. Like, yeah, like I'm kind of mostly fine with like all the stuff that happened with Rampart yeah. Sons. Like I think it could have been a little bit snappier. Mm-hmm. But I really wanted to see one thing that gave us a clue of like if he's still a player in this game. Yeah. Because I think that's the a really hard thing with like losing him as a villain in the mid season is that we never really got even an inkling that he would come back. And I think we needed that. Yeah. I think we needed just a little bit of like, he's still here. He's still in play. Yeah. But anyway, maybe he's not, maybe he is. I don't know. I'm I hoping hope. and praying that he's coming back in season three. Hopes and prayers. Um, I, that being said, I got, I honestly have no idea where season three is taking us. Yeah, that is the next thing I have written down. The last thing I have written down. I don't know, except for the fact that like, obviously I hope to God we get some concrete information about what Hemlock is up to, what this stuff with Emery means. And like, y- yeah, I mean, also, oh, w- another thing. Sorry. <laughs> There's like two instances of like, I wish we had an after credit scene. There should have been an after credit scene on of the season finale where we see tech or an inkling of tech. Cause again, like in our setup, y <laughs> brains, like what we've analyzed the shit out of this, it, it just doesn't, doesn't make full sense that he's full dead. Yeah. Like it doesn't, I mean, we've talked about like, you know, crosshair being present with rampart and what that could do for his character. Tech dying doesn't really do much for the characters no. present. It's just kind of sad. And like, I don't know. They already were sad. They didn't, it's not like tech's death proved anything to them about the empire about themselves like it just kind of felt like again what we were talking about earlier a shock value yeah you know and like that's i think a big um reasoning a big point in sort of our understanding that i don't really think that he's going to be like full dead uh i hope he's not because if he is full dead and that was the last we ever see of him like i'm sorry that was like a little lazy yeah i and that's and again we know that these writers aren't lazy that they can make incredible episodes like outpost and like solitary clone and and we have a whole first season where like they didn't have to rely on shock value deaths for it to be tragic and really punchy and like really emotional yeah you didn't have to rely on that and so i i really hope that they're not turning on that yeah so like i mean i guess all that to say like i think like i wish he wasn't dead for personal reasons but also (laughs) like story reasons narrative reasons it feels weird it feels like if they really did do this just killed him off for the shock value like i don't know what they're doing yeah which seems harsh and i've never worked in tv before and of course i will readily admit that but it is challenging when it comes to the greater narrative because it doesn't feel like it pushed us in any specific direction even though hunter is like we're gonna we're not gonna take it in vain but it doesn't it didn't feel connected right no so like my understanding per per the plot points per the the private investigation we have done into the story i don't think he's full dead and i think we should have had an after credit scene with like a whisper yeah of like something like even hemlock being like we got him you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah truly something like that you know uh yeah that being said i don't fucking know what's gonna happen in season three i hope tech comes back i hope rampart comes back I would love to know fucking anything about what Hemlock I'm excited is up to. to see where they're how they're going to solve the problems here that they've presented. Like 
what yeah. is this what does this mean so for am like I. <laughs> what i mean i guess that's just sort of the suspense of it but like yeah. you know like i don't know who is emery and like is omega really like I, what's that what what's the deal with that yeah, what the fuck happened i don't know because she's so old too like was she born old like the clones or was she like, aged my biggest thing was is like is aged? omega a clone of this woman or is this woman like the first female clone of Django? I, like i think she says sisters and like I know that like mostly clones don't refer to Django Fett and the only one who does is Boba and he specifically had Boba so he would be his son. Yeah. And so that's why Boba refers to him as like his dad. dad. Yeah. But I feel like if she was the genetic like material, material that they cloned Omega from. She would have been like, I'm your mom, you know, like or like I'm. I don't know. A sister, because clones call each other brother, is yeah. more of the indication to me. Yeah. But, you know, hey, we're going to see. We're going to see. What in if like she's a year just and a half? like completely, like, it's like completely unrelated? <laughs> <laughs> well, that would be not a story. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just, I guess we'll see. We'll see. Oh my God, this was so much talking, but we did it. Sorry, it's the long episode. <laughs> what do you fucking expect from us? Anyway. The whole time we were like, are we going to have enough to talk about? <laughs> yeah. Yes, of bitch. Course. The answer will always be yes. <laughs> okay, that was all for this final episode of season two. Again, thank you everyone so much for listening. Yeah, that'll be it for our season. We're, we're planning on doing a couple episodes um, of TV shows that aren't The Bad Batch. We want to watch Tales of the Jedi. I hear there's a new season coming out of that too. So, you know, I we haven't we still haven't watched through Andor because we've been saving it to do an episode for this podcast. Yeah, I don't know. Let us know what you guys want us to talk about. We'll nonetheless be talking about it, even if you don't <laughs> want it. So we want to talk about Andor. We want to talk about Obi-Wan. We talk about Tales of the Jedi, all that good stuff. We'll probably have a couple bonus episodes just chatting about all of that good old narrative analysis of other shows so yeah if you want to listen to any of those fun episodes that we have coming um you can find us on twitter and on instagram at the batch pod um and of course you're probably listening to spotify and or apple podcasts right now which is also where you can find us yeah <laughs> this is nothing <laughs> it's beautiful it's perfect you know i mean as of now our entire catalog is available so feel free to see listen to season one season two our recap etc yeah and look and look for more we'll uh we will update on socials when we have those episodes in the works absolutely uh for the last time this season so if you like story and you like star wars then tune into the next uh season of the good the bad and the batch bye, bye.